in the buying yeah, I get stage that. I get either. That, I get that, yeah. Like, my boyfriend's American. Will I move to America? I don't want to, to be fair. Um, but, like, you know, so there's, like... Yeah, it's a lot of... My future's up in the air, as I think I is all that. of everyone's future. I don't know. Anyway, life's hard. Life is hard. But, but yeah, but that's fine. Well, well welcome, everybody. Hey, hey, hello. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Foghorn Kill, the podcast... I hope you're all feeling... Grace. Yeah, I hope you're feeling great. This is the podcast where we discuss the Irish housing market. Um, in today's <laughs> episodes, we talk about living... Fuck rent kill. Fuck rent kill. There you go. We talk about the hottest landlords in Dublin and who they're fucking. I would think it's like... With rental prices. <laughs> I would think it's like uh, things that can happen to you in your rented place. You can get fucked or haunted or killed. Well, or all of the above. Or all of the above in, in random order. Life's crazy. Life is crazy. Yeah, season two <laughs> okay. is approaching. Like, we're, we're nearly there. Um, you mean season three? This is season two. I mean, two. sorry. Yeah, season three. The next season, I mean. <laughs> uh, the, the end of season two is approaching. It's crazy. It's like, when you think about the timing, it's like, I don't know. It feels like season one. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to compare the time even. Like, I don't even know. It's... It's, it's such a different period of time in my head that I just don't know. It feels so different. <laughs> the best episode we recorded was... I don't think it was Mayhem. What was it? Mayhem was good. Was it Mayhem? Yeah, The one where we one, got yeah. burgers and then went to see um, Improv She Wrote. That's not what they're called. That's my friend's improv group. <laughs> what are they called? They're Spud called Gun. Dream Gun. Dream Gun. Spud Gun is related. Dream Gun. Well, we went to see Dream Gun. Yeah, that that was me. We got a burger. We got a really tasty burger. Yeah, from we, somewhere. Uh, from the yeah. gourmet burger company. Um. Yeah, and then kitchen, not company. And then yeah. we went recorded our podcast, burping all the while, and then we went to see a show. Yeah, we went to see a show with other people in it. We had a drink. It was a communal experience. That was um, great. Yeah, it was It was a great night. I loved that night. It was a great time. And now we'll never see each other in person yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. That's never going to happen again. <laughs> so that episode will go it's down crazy. to history. Um, yeah. It was a good episode because we had to hurry to make it to the show. <laughs> because I was not... Well, today will be good. Today will be good because we'll hurry so I can go eat pork belly. Yeah, we're doing great at the hurrying. Fuck. <laughs> You're right. Also, um, I was not interested in talking about mayhem. I just wanted to make jokes. So it's a weird, like, bit episode with weird yeah. shit going on. It's well, weird. I'm like, this is my new favorite movie. And you're like, it was fine. I'm like, no, it's my new favorite movie. You don't understand. And I keep talking about premature ejaculation or whatever I was talking about <laughs> at that point in our lore history. We were still, we were still finding our feet and our and our calm, I guess. All right, yes. Abby. So, um, this is not a bye. Okay, uh, this is not a podcast about the housing market. I'm sorry, everybody. This is a podcast about horror films. We talk about horror films, scary no. films, sometimes, <sighs> but sometimes films that are kind of scary, but kind of also not, like this week. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about the seminal classic, Home Alone Three. Oh, everybody's favorite Home Alone because finally they got rid of the fucking kid and took a different one. <laughs> Have you seen Saved? Saved? Saved. Macaulay Culkin's in it. He's in a wheelchair. 
What? FM about Jenna Mar- What's her name? Jenna Maroney? Is that a person? Uh, Jenna Malone? Gina Malone. Gina Malone. Yeah, she's in it. Oh, she's I think great. Jenna Maroney's Jenna Marbles. Gina Malone's in it and she plays a girl who... I'm going to need to kill some children. I'm going to yeah. close my window. That's a great idea, Abby. <laughs> you should have thought of that earlier. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is getting on my watch list. That's the first time you've seen me in as a full human in months. I, I was not looking because I was looking at the film Saved. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, you missed the chance to confirm I've got legs. Um, so anyway, Saved. It's Jenna Maloney, Marone, whatever her name is. And she plays a girl who her boyfriend is gay. And they try and fix it by having sex. And they say, Jesus will forgive us because we're trying to fix you. And then she gets pregnant. And um, they go to a really Catholic school. Mandy Moore is in it. Um, it's fun. That sounds really Me intense. Me and Parker watched it. Me and Parker. It, I mean, it's, it's like a comedy. Like it's silly and like from the 90s. It's pretty fun. Me and Parker It's a 2004 it. film, by the way. Just uh, Oh, fact did checking. I say 90s? Yeah. <laughs> If it has a nineties vibe, I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. I recommend watching it. I mean, really good. It's fun. It's fun. I have never heard of it. I am very intrigued by the cast. It's got Patrick Fugit in it. Um, it's got a decent cast. Mary Louise Parker. Some yeah, yeah some, she's in it. Some kind of crazy. Um, yeah, cool. It's on my watch list. I will maybe watch it someday. Wait, Home Alone Free. Going back to Home Alone Free. The thing in Home Alone 3, right, is that the burglars decide that it's a good idea to rob the house during the day because everybody's at work, right? That's like their genius idea. And then it turns out I that Kevin is sick and he's at ho- at his home. And the criminals come and like, oh, no, there's a sick kid at home. We didn't think of that. That's the idea, right? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it in. I think I saw it a total of one time. Yeah, me too. But that's kind of what I remember. I from just. It. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Needless to say, this episode is not actually about Home Alone three. Everybody. Sorry. Um. Probably a horror film actually... by today's standards. To be fair. <laughs> Probably. Um. I think Home Alone is a horror film. It definitely, like, it influenced, like, half of the films we talked about on this podcast. So, there was, like, a str- also st- string of episodes where we referenced Home Alone, like, every week. It stresses me out. Yeah, it's weird. Um, No, today we are talking about Hayao Miyazaki's Spirited Away. Spirited Away. Um, a film that... Exquisite. In 2001 was a fucking big deal. It was... Uh, one of the biggest deals I remember from being a kid in cinemas when I was, like, aware of stuff. I remember the poster really, really well. Mm, I remember going to the cinema yeah, I remember. and seeing that big poster and being like, wow, what is this thing? Uh, it's just one of those posters that kind of stuck in my head. I don't think I saw it in the cinema. Me neither. I have not seen it. I feel like you've never seen it. No, I've never seen it. Oh, right. We're doing this podcast so we can tell me about the film because I'm kind of interested. Oh, cool. Okay. I can do that. Hmm. Um, (laughs) So, Spirited Away, Studio Ghibli, one of my favorite films. I have a tattoo. Not that anyone can see it. No, I've got a tattoo of the little soot sprites because I love the film so much. Um, 
And it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. Like, I kind of, it's one of those films I watch and I'm like, I don't know why I love this so much. I just do. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's so imaginative. Yeah. It's one of those things where you watch it and I'm just like, someone's brain came up with this. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's just amazing. Okay. Um, so it's a Japanese animated film. It's a fantasy film um, by the genius himself, Hayao Miyazaki. He did Hell's Moving Castle. He did My Neighbor Totoro. He did all the good ones. Well, yeah, he did. He just kind of did most of them, like, um, or yeah. at least the ones that are the most known. Like Ghibli had some other That's guys doing other stuff, and the other stuff was. Uh, I've heard good. I haven't seen much of it. I've seen only yesterday, which I enjoyed quite a bit, which is not a Miyazaki film. And they also made, uh, like, I guess the most known one is Grave of the Fireflies, which is by the other guy um, that from the Ghibli studio. That, Isao Takahata? Yeah, that guy. Um, he's dead! Oh, what? Reps and peeps. He repping dead. He dead. So most be crazy. He did Grave of the Fireflies. I'm moving my mess. He did Grave of the Fireflies and he did the tale of Princess Kaguya. Yeah. That was his last film as a director. Um, I also just, it's one of those things I love that anime films have directors. You know, when you just think about the fact that an animated film has a director, you're like, it's like, it proves the fact that like directors do so much more than just like point and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> and then there's also, I think the other guy, sorry, I'm clicking. The other guy is um, Toshio Suzuki. Mm. Um, and he's, I think, more of a producer by the looks of it. Um, well, yeah, he's a producer. So I saw Taka... And again, I'm not very good at presenting. I never said I wasn't, so I don't know why I said it again. Um, Isao Takahata, or Isao Takahata, is the other guy. Who's dead. Yeah, Isao um, Takahata. He made only yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dead. Yeah. But Hayao Miyazaki is kind of the, I would I would say like the face of Studio Ghibli. He's kind of like the most well known, um, kind of creator with them. I would say Definitely. he's got also got like a very friendly and like distinct look. Like he has like his long white hair and he's got his like blacky glasses. He's a cool guy. Did you see that documentary they and made he, of him? It's supposed to be kind of cool. I haven't watched it. I want to, but I haven't. Yeah, me neither. Um, but I've I've heard good things about it. He's also, um, he also, oh my God, his eyebrows are massive. He, he's retired about three times. He's like, I'm going to retire now. And then a couple of years later, he's like, no, I don't want to. I changed my mind. I've just also read something interesting here, which is just quite fun. So the studio is also known, or I'm going to say that again. The studio is known for its strict no edits policy in licensing their films abroad due to Nausicaa Valley of, of the Valley of the Wind being heavily edited for the film's release in the United States as Warriors of the Wind. The no cuts policy was highlighted when Miramax co-chairman Harvey Weinstein who um, Boo, Harvey Weinstein, boo. When Harvey Weinstein suggested editing Princess Mononoke to make it more marketable, a Studio Ghibli producer is rumoured to have sent an authentic Japanese sword with a simple message, no cuts. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. What do you think, what what do you think the, the test screening of Princess Mononoke was like? Do you think Harvey Weinstein went into the screening and watched the whole two hour film? Then he went out, he took the phone, he was like, Cut out all the bullshit. Then he put down the phone and he um, jerked off into a plant. That's probably what happened. Probably. I 
shameful confession i have not seen princess mononoke okay i have seen it um or have i wait um so in first year in college i did we had to do a project that was like we had studied i think we studied hell's moving castle or maybe it was spirited away i can't remember mm-hmm. but um because i think i don't remember i did world cinema and like a lot of it was japanese films mm-hmm. and um one of the projects we had to do for that or like the essays assignments whatever the assignment we had to do for that module was like i think we had two options where it was like either write an essay or do this and the do this option was um like create a season of films to be in the ifi so the irish film institute um it was like so create like a brochure for that and like Mm -hmm. write that up and then i think you had to do an, an accompanying essay but just like shorter than the long one would have been and so I did my my um, season was Hayao Miyazaki films, and I did, and I had I had only seen Spirited Away, and I think I think we did Hell's Moving Castle for college because that's why I watched that, and then that's where I like began to love his stuff more. Uh-huh. So I think for that I did Hell's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Nausicaa, and My Neighbor Totoro. Okay, so kind of that's the end the, of the story, the but yeah. Ones, yeah, but I haven't, yeah. So Nausicaa is kind of that like outlier in the sense that I feel like, or no, I did Kiki's Delivery Service as well. Well, um, um, I I would say that Nausicaa is very very similar to Princess Mononoke. Um, I've seen Nausicaa recently, and it's um, it's a similar kind of structure and a similar kind of theme of just a really big fantasy epic about the environment kind of like that's kind of the idea behind it and I, I i would say probably i like nosca more princess mononoke is like uh, uh like amazingly made it's just fucking like the animation in it is just is breathtaking but um but nosca has a it's pretty gritty like i love the like the insects are pretty pretty out there as a funny thing though i have seen princess mononoke in ifi as part of a season um it was the east asia um program it was like a discussion um like a film club thing where we watched the film and then there was a talk by somebody usually a film critic or or somebody who worked at a university in relation to film and they would make like a little talk about the film and then we talked about it we had a little discussion um yeah it was east asia so we watched um yeah some fun stuff we watched touch of sin and we watched um police story and a bunch of stuff and the last film was princess mononoke and actually um guys from cartoon saloon came over to um to talk about it the guys who made song of the sea and breadwinner Ooh. uh really cool really cool team and they came in and talked about princess mononoke and like animation and why it's so inspiring for them it was really cool um yeah that was all back in the days where you could go to a place and watch a film with other people it was kind of crazy it was wild. It was wild. Um, the one thing, one great thing about Miyazaki, which I feel like is, I guess, part of the reason why I, like, gravitate towards him, is he, like, his films very much focus on, like, young women. Um, and I, that's, I'm trying to find, because, I mean, obviously, when I did that essay and studied it more in depth, it was, like, six years ago or something. So I have forgotten things. Yeah. Um. But he, there was the whole thing of him like focusing on like shoujo characters and the shoujo is like a term. My memory of it is that it was like a term for like a young woman, I don't know, who was like strong or something. Well, that would make sense. I don't know at this stage. I think that's what it is. But like that's kind of what his films focus on, you know, 
in this you've got Chihiro who is like very much like grows to be more independent and like yeah. brave and etc same with like Nausicaa Kiki's delivery service is like a young woman just being like I'm going to go be independent now I'm 13 yeah. um, same with My Neighbor Totoro it's about these two young girls who are navigating difficult times and like yeah. you know yeah, it's a different kind of it. strength, but that my neighbor Toro is definitely like it doesn't even really have a male character except for the dad. It's one of those things as well. I don't know. My neighbor Totoro is it's so cute, yeah. But I feel like it's one of those things that might. I feel like Totoro is like one of the most well known. It's probably the most well known besides Spirited Away, or maybe like I feel like with the like with the I guess iconography of Totoro. I feel yeah. like that's more more well-known yeah totoro as a a figure is just very as a figure exactly um but in terms of like the actual content of the film i don't think it's my like i don't i feel like it would rank probably fourth i don't think it's even that high it's a very sweet film and i feel like it's like also really heart-wrenching and also just like evokes i watched it recently and it evoked a lot of anxiety yeah yeah there's a lot of like i I don't know. I think it might be the opposite because I think Totoro is maybe the most um, intriguing to me because there's so much going on in this film while there's absolutely nothing going on. Like this, the Totoro is a film about two young girls running around and some creatures kind of appear. But I think Totoro for me is just like, it's just, uh, I like the, the tempo of it because it's so slow. It's like literally nothing happening kind of. And then there's a weird thing every once in a while, but like there's no real plot other than those girls are kind of sad and they're trying to navigate that sadness and it um like it, it shows itself in different ways but that's basically the only thing that's going on and i like that um while the other uh, more epic things that miyazaki has done well uh, by the way i'm not an expert on miyazaki in any way i have seen a few films but i haven't seen all of them and um but the the, the bigger ones like nausicaa or, or princess mononoke or even Spirited Away to a degree. Um, I think it's just the plot that kind of loses me at some point. Like it's always a point in those films mm-hmm. where I'm watching them. And I'm like, there's a point where I'm like, oof, there's a lot of things happening right now. And I um, I am not sure I'm ready for it. Yeah, I feel like I feel like both um, Totoro and Kiki's Delivery Service. Number one, I feel like they're much more like adolescent films. Like the mm-hmm. the themes of them are much more like palatable for kids and young people uh like younger generations Gener- not generations just younger people yeah yeah um but as well i feel like they kind of feed into the whole like ozu like the whole concept of the like the nothingness and it's like yeah. just having a moment to like ponder things you know you've got like shots of just like nothingness or whatever um whereas and i think for me i suppose it's that kind of thing of like personally i prefer kind of my imagination just being like sparked in a thousand different directions yeah. like i find that exciting and fun but not like overwhelming yeah um and i guess for me as well like i never spirited away is the only one of his films that i saw as like a child like i don't remember when i first saw it but i know i was a child like i was definitely yeah. legally a child in terms of how much of a child i was i don't think i saw it like the year it came out I could be wrong. Like, I really don't know. But I was young, whereas, like, all of his other films I saw once I was, like, 19 or 20. Like, I was past childhood. So, like, Spirited Away for me, like, the whole imagination thing, I was able to, like, get into at a younger age. And then I feel like, for me, 
my other favorite of his is like Hell's Moving Castle. And it's, again, one of those things where I speared it away. I think I can kind of, like, identify the reasons I love it so much, which I mm-hmm. guess is why it's my favourite. But with Hell's Moving Castle, I watch it and I'm like, I don't know why I love this so much. I just do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's just something about it I really like. Cool. Um, and I don't know if it's just, like, the aesthetics of mm-hmm. it are very interesting. Um, But I just really like it. Mm. Whereas with Spirited Away, there's so much going on. And it's just like, it's so interesting. There's so many different layers. There's so many things that I'm like, where did he come up with this? Definitely. And I know that's that's art in general is like, how did someone come up with this? But it's like, I don't know. Well, it's just so interesting. Um, I haven't seen the Howl- Howl's Moving Castle, so I, I can't comment on that. Um, but yeah, I think Spirited Away, I kind of get it because to me, Spirited Away feels kind of in the middle. It's not as expansive as Nausicaa would be. It's like not as epic i guess not as you know maybe classic fantasy inspired as as something like that or princess mononoke still got that homeliness to it it still feels very much like weirdly small and then expanding into this like kind of even abstractly enormous world but it still feels like some some sort of a small story in, in a way so it's it's kind of it's still got that totoro thing of just being a film about a girl that just kind of explodes in the middle so yeah so i kind of get that thing and i think it is interesting it's probably like the best film from what i've seen from him like objectively i'd probably call it the best one um but yeah we'll, i think we'll as get well that, yeah. one thing yeah one thing about spirited away is just that like i think that there's like you're, you're right in that the where it takes place is pretty small like it's it's in one building like pretty much the geography of the film is a building yeah um, and it eventually expands. At the start, it's a bit more, but it's really just getting us to this destination. And then at the end, it expands. Um, but the the geography of the film is really small. But what kind of makes the film really interesting and like what, for me at least, like draws my mind different places is like the different types of characters and like the the beings within the film. Like they're where the, the like expansiveness of the, of the like, I don't know of the picture like they're what makes yeah. the the picture interesting which um, is just fun it is yeah that's true how, how many times um, have you seen it how many times have you seen Spirit of the Way not too many like I don't think I'm overexposed to it I feel like I've probably seen it I'm gonna say I've seen it like six times at most I okay. haven't seen it that many or maybe maybe more I don't know alright but enough. I've not seen it too many times I feel like I've watched it in depthly three times Okay. It's like I watched it the first time and I watched it intently. The second time I watched it for college and then the third time for this. Mm-hmm. Other times I've probably watched it and maybe like been quite kind of absent in certain aspects. But Okay, that's good. Okay. I get it. It's not like when I revisit, so to speak. But I feel like for me, the films I revisit aren't necessarily the films that are my favorite. Mm-hmm. They're the films that I find the easiest to watch and thus like are kind of one of my favorite films. But like, not ones that I would consider like the best film I've ever seen. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair I don't enough. know. Um, um. So just for some context before we talk about the film. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um. So just for the listeners, the listeners, the listeners, Spirit Away. Spirit Away is like a phrase. It's like a Japanese phrase, I guess. Um. Spirit Away, which is in Japanese, it's like Kami Kakushi. Mm. I don't speak Japanese, so 
I don't I, I've noticed. Um, it re- <laughs> That's really rude. Um, it refers to the mysterious disappearance or death of a person that happens when an angered god takes a person away. Okay. Just remember that, everybody, okay? That's the context remember that we have. Remember that. That's the context I'm giving you. It's an interesting film to, because um, Spirit of the Way is the film that kind of exploded on in the West. Um, Princess Mononoke was kind of a big deal, but Spirit of the Way was the first one that really kind of, yeah, that you know, um, that people for some reason, I mean, for many reasons, I'm sure, but like people really loved here and in America and lots of places outside of Japan and Asia. Um, there was something about Spirit of the Way that makes it understandable to people. Even though I watch it and every time I'm like, I have no cultural context to probably understand like three quarters of what the fuck is going on. I feel like the thing about Spirited Away though is that like, it's interesting that it's the one that like, and I think, I suppose one thing that's really nice about Studio Ghibli films, specifically Miyazaki, because I've only really seen his films, but um, they don't try and be Western. Like they're very much being Japanese and like being true to Japanese culture, yeah. you know, in like in Kiki's Delivery Service and Hell's Moving Castle, all of them, like even Hell's Moving Castle isn't, it's set in like Austria or something. Okay. And Kiki's Delivery Service, I feel like they're supposed to be kind of in some sort of vaguely European city, but they're all sort of like, they're just placing Japanese people within these different like geographical contexts, but like still keeping it, I feel like very Japanese yeah. in terms of like culture and everything. Um, but it's specifically, I suppose, Kiki's Delivery Service, or not Kiki's Delivery sorry. Specifically with My Neighbor Totoro and Spirited Away, both of them are, like, trying to be, or, like, they're very specifically in Asia. I feel like in Japan. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, you've got, like, food, language, cultural norms, everything like that. And they're they're showing them. So it's not like they're trying to appeal to a Western context, which is just kind of nice i guess yeah um, but i feel like that's sort of it's it, that's the thing that i suppose is why it's interesting that spirited away is what's stuck in like the western thing more because it's not like it's trying to be appealing to western yeah societies definitely. yeah it, it feels but i think very i feel Japanese, like it's yeah. just yeah i think it just speaks to the the like imagination that pervades the whole thing that's true. It's like you can't watch it and not feel like engaged and have your brain be sparked with imagination. Oh, put that on the box, everybody. It's 20 years later, but if you're going to re-release... The box? Oh. It's 20 years later. That's disgusting. Like, you know, there's like a blurb on the box that says, you know, best film ever. <laughs> Most mo- talked about movie of the year. Like with The Hunt. Oh, fuck. <laughs> The hunt, Jesus Christ. Um. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're gonna start. Okay. We actually hadn't even started recording until this exact moment. We have. That's it's a podcast. Oh. People are listening to this. You. No. So. I just said we're recording. I didn't say anybody's listening to this. That's true. No one's listening. Um. <laughs> so. Spirited Away. Yes, the film. <laughs> this film is about a young girl named Chihiro. And she's moving with her family to a new town. Who knows why? I think her dad got a new job. I don't know. 
Um, she's moving. Did you watch it in English or Japanese? Of course I watched it in Japanese. I am not a savage. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I also watched it in Japanese. In the English version... Fuck. In the English version, the um, Chihiro is voiced by the girl who plays Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. Oh, that's pretty cool. Although I, I have to say that I probably would not pick up on that because the only version of Lilo and Stitch I know is it's in Polish. So um, <laughs> there you go. I love that film. Oh my fucking God, I love Lilo and Stitch. How do you feel about Lilo and Stitch 2? I don't know if I've seen it. It's good. It's really good. I, I remember it being good, at least. It's kind of like... Ditch has a glitch! It's a weird one. It's, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's kind of like... um, It's kind of like, remember when they did Lion King 3? And Lion King 3 was like a weird comedy version of Lion King 1? Uh, this has a similar feeling of it's like... It's mm. kind of like very comedic. It's like a comedy. <clears throat> I love Lilo and Stitch. I have... Fun. um. I got they do these things these dolls called animators and they're so sweet and I love them mm-hmm. but so I got I have three of them they're possibly in my attic I don't really know I have a problem um but I have so I got there's one that's like it's a small world and it's the Japanese one and then I got nah I feel like I have four I got the Cinderella one no I got three but for Christmas I got the Lilo one and she was like the cutest one of all she was so cute mm. I just love Lilo. Lilo's great. It's like, because I, f- yeah. I feel like it's what, and I, at the same thing, like I really felt attached to Stitch when I watched it. Like I loved Stitch. I feel like Lilo and Stitch is like the sort of, I don't know, the beginning of them like starting to stop drawing the exact same woman with different colored yeah. hair. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's one of the reasons I loved her so much because she didn't just look like a perfect princess yeah. I mean she's not a princess but you know like there was kind of they just do the exact same animation all the time for years and then eventually they stopped yeah and I, I don't but think sometimes Lilo, they just do it again I don't think they get enough credit either for just yeah Lilo and Stitch is a film without it's about a young girl there's no romance involved it's about a young girl living with her sister um, mm-hmm. with no parents no men the only like you know it's like there's a guy I think he's um uh, her sister's boyfriend or he's, whatever but like generally yeah, the idea is boyfriend. yeah just about those two sisters and i think it's pretty ahead of us i thought it was really interesting and as a kid it's very easy to I love that. get yourself attached to that as well because they they look mm-hmm. like a real family and it's kind of nice and yeah it's a good film it's the first i feel like it's the first time they kind of present this family in like they're not, it's not like a tragic setting i don't feel like they emphasize much on like their parents are dead um yeah and it was also, you know, it was like, well, she's a grown woman. So like, so she can look after her little sister. It's not like they're yeah. in an orphanage. But there's this whole thing happy. with like the, the agent coming in. Remember that guy? There's this agent that comes over like in yeah. a suit and he checks if everything's okay. And he's really scary. And then he turns out, I think later it turns out that he's okay. But like, there's this whole thing about him coming in. Um, but I feel like that's also really nice. Because imagine being a child who like is in that sort of situation where I'd imagine social, social workers or whatever have to yeah. come and check up on you because the thing is when you look back like now i feel like we're like oh he's this evil man but in retrospect it's like he's just a social worker yeah exactly doing yeah. like he's like checking up on them but i can imagine being a child in that sort of situation seeing this kind of person coming to your house to check up on things and being really scared and knowing that you have to like be really prepared for them and that kind of thing yeah definitely. so they just like do a really good stuff. job of it yeah yeah and the same i think it's the same as like moana is similar haven't where, seen that Moana's so good. It's similar in the sense of like she's got a family. It's not similar in that way, but like it didn't have romance. And then I start thinking, but well, then are they trying to say that 
I don't know. It's like only white women can can have romance. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen Princess and the a Frog problem. either. Princess and the, and the Frog. Uh, she's black. Well, she's right? a frog for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah she's I a frog for the whole thing. I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Pocahontas is. Well, let's not talk about that. Out of a yeah. fucked up situation, you know. So it is. You know, you start to think about the problematic parts, but it's like, listen, we need more stories about not romance. So. Well, I would argue that, you know, Lilo doesn't have a romance because, yeah, she's like, what, 10 in this fucking film? But her sister has one. And well, it's too. great. So whatever. I mean, it's not a romance. She just is in a relationship. You know what we need? We need people in relationships, like like not a romance, like a film romance of uh, like, oh, there's a princess or whatever, like pursuing a thing or whatever. Just show somebody in a relationship and like living in that relationship and the story's about something else. That's a great thing to show to a kid, you know, show them that like you know relationship is a thing that you're in and it's just it's part of your life it can be you know it's not it's not this big thing sometimes it doesn't have to be like a big story it doesn't have to but be you know what we need eventful we need a disney princess who's into piss play oh that's a good idea you know <laughs> hey someone get bob Iger on the phone i know how about we go to disney and we're like hey did you guys hear of that film duke of burgundy we think that will make a great fucking cartoon <laughs> Emphasis on the fucking. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about uh, the Disney store? No. I went to the Disney store on Christmas. Um, yeah. It was terrifying. I don't ever want to go there again. Um, I went there because I wanted to... So, um, remember... Okay, I'm going to tell a story. Well, uh, last... Remember when the world was normal and there was no disease? No. So, the back then, when you don't remember, me and Abby went to the cinema and we saw uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol right after recording <gasps> an episode of something. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, it was a thing. Um, yeah, it was very nice. We had hot chocolate. It was like real Christmas kind of vibes. Good times. Good times of It was great. It was we had cookies or something. Yes. Uh, I don't remember. It was nice, though. Um, so, nice. so on Christmas, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy Abby uh, a little plushy Kermit figure. You know, just a Kermit. <gasps> just to, just so that it's nice. Um, so I went to the Disney store. And I started looking around. And there was loads of kids and lots of people. And it was really intimidating. And they had a whole fucking floor with Star Wars they had loads of things and zero Muppets. Absolutely zero Muppet-based things. There was like a bunch of 20-year-olds who were trying to sell me things that were not Muppets. It was really upsetting. Um, and I, I walked out of there and I said, I will never come there again. And I did not buy the Kermit doll because it was impossible. So sad. Well, that's my story. Yeah. It's... um, it's They sometimes have uh, Muppet things. But the worst part is like... Disney didn't always own the Muppets. They acquired them. So you, if you're going to acquire them, put some respect on them, please. They bought them, them and the now store. they don't do anything with them. It's so They made two Muppet movies and they're like, that's enough. The first one Tina was good. That's the, enough. the first one was good. They both, I think they're both good. Most Wanted was... I love the um, Muppets. Eh. It was fun. It was okay. It wasn't as good as the first one, but... The first one is pretty like, good. Tina Fey's in it. Jermaine Clement's in it. That's that true. guy from Modern Family's in it. Ricky Gervais is in it's it. It's great. Yeah. True. 
Um, That's a downfall. But the so. first one, the, the songs in the first one are just fucking amazing. So good. The first one was uh, actually kind of good, yeah. It was surprisingly yeah. good. I remember watching it and being like, ah, it's probably not going to be anything. I just watched it with my family. And we had such a great time. Oh my god, I was laughing all the time. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I aspired to, like, when I didn't have a job, um, my plan when I would get money, I was like, ah, someday I'm going to have enough money to buy all the Muppets box sets. <laughs> There's a lot of Muppets. And I didn't. Sets. Now I absolutely earn enough money to buy all the Muppets box sets. What are you doing? And I don't... I don't own a single Muppets box set. Well, why? Isn't that despicable? Wait, you, I don't know. Wait, you own Muppets Christmas Carol, right? That's not a box set. Well, okay. A box set is like the box set of the seasons. Oh, you mean like the, the show. show. Sorry, the Muppets. Uh, okay, the Muppets show. Yeah, yeah, okay. When I was younger, I was like, I love the Muppets. I want to own them. Because I've always loved the Muppets. The Muppets Christmas Carol has always been my favorite Christmas film. Yeah. I watch it every single year. And I wanted to own all of the TV shows. And I just, that was like what I aspired to. I was like, when I have money, that is what I'll do. Okay, well then don't buy it. I'll buy it for Christmas for you. <laughs> all of them? No, just one. <laughs> just <laughs> not one. get too crazy. Jesus Christ, I'm not going to buy everything <laughs> for you. Fuck. Sorry, okay. Um, I remember... No, don't remember what I was gonna say. Actually, okay, well, that's I fine. I love the Muppets. My favorite Muppets, um, my favorite Muppets film is I used to rent it from the video shop all the time, mm-hmm. and it's now on YouTube. But I still feel like I don't know. I feel like I tracked it down for years. It was the Muppets. What was it called? It was like Muppets Classic Theater, and it was like their version of like King Midas oh, and okay. the Boy Who Cried Wolf. And the Three Little Pigs, I feel, and there was more. I loved it so much. There's, like, classic, great songs. So fun. I would always be singing along in my room. It was so great. Actually, I was in Megan's room because she had a TV. I didn't. Yeah, Muppet Classic Theater. Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. It was so good. Yeah, I I know. I didn't lie. It was so good. I love it. The Boy Who Cried Wolf is the best one. It's like, who do you think you're fooling? Yeah, right, sure. I guess the sky is falling. Hey, we've heard it all before. It was great. That sounds great. I know the rest of the words. I'm just going to stop. No, that's... that's I, 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 uh, I believe you. They made so many Muppet <laughs> films, and I've only seen a few. I haven't uh-huh. seen all of them, but I really want There's to. There's too many. No no one person could see all of them in their life. It's impossible. That is true. There's so many. <laughs> I'm just looking through them. <laughs> Holy shit. They made a lot. Lady Gaga and the Muppets Holiday Spectacular. That's a bit cursed now. That sounds cursed. That sounds John, terrible. John Denver and the Muppets. A Christmas Together. The The Muppets Show. Sex and Violence. Oh my god, what? <laughs> I have no idea. I have to tell you. Okay, this is a half an hour variety special. The Muppets oh. parody the proliferation of sex and violence on television. Nigel, Sam the uh. Eagle, and the hippie guitarist Floyd Pepper. Prepare for a pageant based on the seven deadly sins, with Muppets representing the sins. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I love the Muppets. It's a really strange, distinct part of my personality that is like hidden, but I love the Muppets so much. I used to own a Muppet. I made a Muppet in New York City. That's amazing. I physically made my own Muppet That's at the great. age of 18. That's, I love that. I would love to have and a Muppet. I don't know where she is. Where the fuck has she gone? I don't know. Where are you? I wish you, you found her because it's great to have a Muppet. And I also love the Muppets. And 
Jim Henson was one of the geniuses, um, like artistic genius. Like I don't know how else to describe this man. He was a genius. Like he literally was a genius. Mm-hmm. It's just no other word to to describe him. He was one of a kind. Just a, a wonderful man. Seems so. So yeah. that's our little diversion. So that was the Muppets show uh, fragment of the show. This is the show where we're trying <laughs> to get to the point early because like Abby has a thing to do. This is that that episode. I have pork to eat. <laughs> um. <laughs> you, you started Speaking like of pork. You you became Speaking like slow pork. motion when you said pork, so it went like pork. I got some pork. Anyway, um, so speaking of pork, so Chihiro is is moving. Good one. She's moving, and uh, she's just moving, moving right along, <gasps> footloose and fancy free. What? Get in there is half the fun. Come share it with me. Moving right along, ding 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 ding. We have lost control Sorry. of the podcast. Welcome. This is now Muppets Podcast. To the Formless Podcast, where we sing Muppet songs <laughs> while talking about something else. No. That's a really good song. Have you heard? Um, there's a remix of it. <laughs> Who does the remix? Wait. Uh, it's, not as, it's not as good as the original, obviously. Also, I think I cry every time I listen to the Rainbow Connection. Yeah, me too, honestly. Yeah. Just if you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. No, not um, moving tight along. Everybody cries every time they listen to the Rainbow Connection. It's um, Mache, it, I'm not really sure now if that's true. I, I'm pretty sure like Donald Trump probably doesn't, but that's because he's a monster. <laughs> what a specific person to choose. Okay, it's um, it's by the Alkaline Trio, and honestly, I don't know who they are. Great. So. Well, there we go. Right, Spirit so, away. Hero is in a car. She's moving right along. She's moving to a new place hmm. with her parents and they're driving and the, the the road they're supposed to go down just like isn't there. And you're like, listen, it's 2001. Garments aren't that good. Probably fine. They keep driving. They see a shrine, which is a thing in Japan. Um, they, <laughs> It's like a the, the shrine is kind of just fallen down, but it says the little tiny houses. I think that's the place they were going to move to. That's all the tiny houses. Anyway. Um, so they go and they're driving and then there's just a tunnel that they're like, well, we can't drive anymore. There's a tunnel, like a really narrow tunnel. Um, and so they're like, let's walk through the tunnel. They investigate and Chihiro's kind of like her parents go ahead and Chihiro's kind of nervous. She's like, I don't want to. But yeah. um, she does. She follows them because she's a child and she's like, well, I'd rather not be left alone. Thank you very much. So I'll run after you. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the middle of the in... woods in a car. Jesus. Who lives yeah, there? No. child there? Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of pigs um, is what so... I say. Hey! <laughs> Can I tell so you about they... uh, why I haven't seen? Sorry, this is gonna be the last digression, but it is about Spirited Away. Um, uh, when I was when Spirited Away came out, we were like seven, yeah, probably around seven. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I remember I didn't go to see it in cinemas because our friends, like I had a friend, and this friend also had parents just like me and a lot of other kids, um, and. <laughs> There and our parents were friends as well, and the they went to see it as a family, and then their parents went out of the film. I remember, and they were like, "Oh, it was," I think they walked out of like very early on, even or something, and they were like, "Oh no, this is this is really too much for a kid. This was not for kids." And they started telling the story about 
well, at the beginning of this film, this, like the, their their parents get turned into pigs. It's really cruel and scary. And I remember that sticking in my brain, being like, "Holy shit, that's kind of weird, really." So I haven't seen the mm-hmm. film, but I had this image of whatever, however that might look, in my head when I watched it like <laughs> ten years later. Um, so there you go. I don't know. That's that was my first experience of Spirited Away. I didn't know what it was about or what was going on. I just knew that the parents are turned into pigs, and that it's a big deal. Yeah, it is scary. It's kind of um, scary. Yeah. That that is like one of the I feel like the most haunting things about the film. I feel like it's the most haunting thing about the film. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know about that. There's, for a, me there's, anyway. a, there's a few different things happening in this. I don't know. For me, it is. But also, for me, it is. But I think it's also because it's like at the start. So, yes. let me get there for you all very quickly. So, basically, they stumble upon this like really old looking town. Um, It's empty. Uh, all of that kind of good stuff. And then they come across this. They smell something really nice. And they come across this like restaurant that is really kitted out with very tasty looking stuff. Classic anime food. Very tasty looking. Uh, so they go to this restaurant. There's nobody there. They're like, hello. Can we get some grub, please? And there's nobody there. So the wife is just like... And it seems like they're kind of rich. Because... I don't know. Chihiro's kind of like, hey maybe let's I don't know they might be mad at us and the dad's like I've got credit cards and cash it's fine who the, the fuck just starts like, eating fine. food like yeah it's weird what is that food? Also, for, also for me like I'm I have I think I have this thing against like f- not against but like food that's just sitting there really stresses me out now to be fair this food looks like very tasty and fresh but yeah. it still just stresses me out like buffets are quite stressful I don't know. If it looks like it's been there for at least five minutes, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, and there's nobody so, in this place. Like, this is a deserted town, and there's just literally just yeah. like a bunch of food in the middle of it. A and you're delicious like, looking restaurant. Oh, I should probably eat it. Yeah, exactly. So they start. The mom's just like, listen, we'll pay them when, like, when they're here. It's fine. So they start digging into incredibly tasty looking food. And they're like, Chihiro, it's really tasty. And she's like, oh, I don't know about this. And she kind of runs away. Uh, just as a child she's she's around 10 for context she's like 10 or 11 and she goes exploring and she comes across um blah, blah, blah. so the parents start yeah the parents start pigging out mm, mm, i get it, I get it. um <laughs> and da, da, da. chihiro leaves and she comes across a bathhouse and she sees a sign that, according to the subtitles on Netflix, says oil. Yes. Then she sees Very a sign specifically, that says the subtitles say oil so many times. Oil. So many times. And Parker speaks Japanese, and I didn't ask him, but I kind of wish I did. But I was watching it by myself. He was sitting there, but I was watching it by myself. So I kind of wish I'd asked if it really said oil, because like, there's been a few times where we watched, like, Spirit, or we watched um, Kiki's Delivery Service or, like, my neighbor mm-hmm. Totoro and he'll be like because we'll watch it in Japanese with obviously subtitles on and he'll be yeah. like that's not what they said like he's like this was like really not what they said I think that I might be wrong but I think that the subtitles you see on the Netflix version are what you would hear in the English version when they dubbed it and they oh. just kind of put it over that I don't know I don't know that for sure but sometimes those dialogues that, that are in English like the subtitles feel like they are kind of adjusted or that something's done with them like to make it more western or english like there's a certain yeah, part well, of this film there's... where they even alter the subtitles so they have like different pronunciations of words to make up a feeling so it's kind of weird i hate when subtitles are like inconsistent to what you're watching so yeah. like 
with languages, it's more like even I have a incredibly like the most basic understanding of Japanese, which is like, I know how to say, like, I know when they're saying thank you or I know when they're saying like certain oh, yeah. things. And like, say in Kiki's delivery service, for example, they would say, um, they would say something like, you know, thank you. And the subtitles w- would say that they'd said like, come again. And it's like, they're translating the meaning. So it's like, they were kind of just like saying like, this is what you would say if it was an English bakery yeah. and someone was leaving, you would say, come again. And it's like, no, I want you to translate what it says. And similarly, yeah. we were watching, so on Disney Plus, we watched The Parent Trap. And they left out full chunks. This has nothing to do with language, but they just like left out full chunks of dialogue. Le- f- incredibly full chunks of dialogue. Where in what? there was in a the part subtitles? where like... In, yeah, in the subtitles. And it's like, do deaf people not deserve to hear the whole dialogue? Why are you not putting subtitles for everything? They sometimes it's do that when there's like loads of dialogue. I saw a film recently where they just tried to abbreviate what the people are saying because there's just so much things they are saying. I, I haven't seen this... uh, Uncut Gems yet with subtitles, but I'm pretty sure Uncut Gems has to do it because it has multiple people talking at the same time, like over and over but this, again. Like... The, the thing about the parent trap is that it didn't need to. Yeah. Like, the reason we... Parker speaks many languages. So he is, like, used... He generally would watch things in a different language so that he can, like, get practice of yeah. it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he would put on subtitles. So he's just, like, used to watching things with subtitles. Yeah. So we Me always too. watch yeah. things with subtitles yeah. on. I also watch everything um, with subtitles. Yeah. So we watched that and it would just it literally it cut out full chunks. Like, we were watching it in English. The subtitles were in English. And I'm like, if I was a deaf person... Like, I would... I'm literally missing out in half of the conversation. Like, there was no reason for them to put it out. It was, like... It was something along the lines of, like, they're talking about the bag is too heavy, they need help. They cut out, like, half the conversation and someone just says, you need help? I can't remember it fully, but it was, like, they cut out so much, but it was so stupid. Yeah. Anyway. Listen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, they... So, Chihiro comes... Anyway, oil. Chihiro comes... (laughs) She comes across a bathhouse and then she sees a train and awesome. they've heard the train and then yeah. she sees the train and she's like, what train? And then a boy tells the hero, she's... Oh, a train. I can't oh, do it. That, that was Italian. I don't know what I did there. That's... <laughs> the train go back to home country. <laughs> um. So there's a boy and he's like, you gotta get out of here, bitch. And she's like, okay. And she runs. And then basically she's running through and it starts to like get really dark the city starts to be like taken over by these shadowy looking ghosts yeah it looks amazing and um and she, it's amazing yeah it's, basically, it's it so turns magical into night and like the, the red uh, lights start turning on around the city and it all turns into this kind of glowy thing and it starts to burst with life around in the darkness and then you see those shadowy figures like kind of populate the place um and just visually it's just amazing it looks, it looks yeah, amazing. It's, it's like, oh, this city like literally comes to life yeah. at night. I mean, everything in this uh, film a, looks amazing, a, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's one of the it's, standouts. It's a, I think that's one of the best things about Studio Ghibli is that it proves it's like, even if your film is animated, it can still be beautiful and like make beautiful scenery and stuff. Like, I think oh, a yeah. lot of, say, like Disney, for example, focus very much on the characters. Yeah. And the background might be like 
really realistic looking but it's not necessarily like super picturesque or anything whereas like i think studio ghibli really focuses on everything yeah definitely there's just a really nice big sense like space is very important in this in this film and there's there are definitely mm-hmm. moments where you're supposed to focus on the environment more than on the action and that's one of them and uh yeah so much work put into this also there's a a, a bunch of 3d animation used in this film also to great effect i think uh, very interesting places where where a little bit of 3D is put in along with the 2D cartoon characters, and it's um, I don't know it works so well. It's like it's kind of seamless. You don't notice it that much. It's it's really great. It's amazing. So so yeah, she goes back to the restaurant and she sees her parents and there's like all the shadows kind of around at that point in the restaurant eating. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sees her parents and she's not super alarmed by the fact they've gotten incredibly fat. Um, but she taps on their shoulders and uh, she or she's like, mom, dad, whatever. And they turn around and they've just actually turned into pigs. Yeah. Like they have become pigs. Um, and she's quite alarmed by then, that. That that alarms As her. you would imagine, she's quite alarmed. Yeah. yeah. And for me, I feel like that is one of the most stressful points because I think, and again, like I grew up with an incredible amount of anxiety um yes. specifically separation anxiety like really scared mm-hmm. of specifically with my mom like really scared of like if she yeah she'd go out to badminton practice and i would cry and be like no please don't go like i had immense separation anxiety I had the same, yeah. separation anxiety Me too. um that i only addressed when i was age 22 okay but anyway um, but in terms of address like tried to solve it yeah, as opposed yeah. to accepting it as a reality of my existence um, so so that, that as like a child watching it with that sort of separation anxiety is like oh my god no it's the same way I, home alone was really stressful for me because yeah. it's like no yeah. I'm a child I need a parent yeah. to support me and, and they have turned into a pig what am I fucking supposed to do now yeah no I, I go back to that boy who told me to fuck off what am I supposed to do so I get that, yeah. I she get like that. she runs away and she's basically trying to like get away from. The, she's like, I don't know, trying to get away from the city. She runs and where they had like walked across that was grass has become water, and she's like starting to repeat that it's just a dream as one does. She's like, no, this is just a dream, and she says something about disappearing, like she wants. She like says about it'll go away or she'll go away. I don't remember. But either way, she starts to like become transparent as she says that like her body yeah. starts to be able to see through it. Um, and then a boat full of spirits arrives. That's very spooky, but also really cool. Yes. <laughs> um, and then there's like there's music playing that also just like gets you really into it. Um, um, yeah, just like. A... And then I need to burp. So you speak. Yeah, there's a lady um, who has wings and looks kind of like a bird flying over them. Um, yeah, basically what happens, yeah, she's sitting at the, the pond and then the boy from the bridge comes over and he's like, here, you have to eat this because otherwise you'll disappear. Don't worry, it will not turn you into a pig. And she's like, are you, sh-? <laughs> she, yeah, she's, she's kind of stressed out, but she does eat the thing and it does stop her from disappearing. So the boy is okay. Yeah. It turns out he he says he says um he says you need to eat something from this world or else you'll disappear. Yeah. So it's basically that kind of thing of like listen you need to like become a part of this world somehow in order to continue existing. Yeah. Another thing I feel like I really like about Miyazaki films is that like I feel like in a lot of his films, if there's a villain and sometimes there isn't, 
which is also just kind of interesting because I feel like a lot of specifically yeah. kids films there has to be a villain yeah. but in the films where he has a villain the villain I, I feel like is always a woman which is just kind of fun because it's like giving women their voices the, they can be bitches yeah. too there's um like the the lady of the waste or the witch of the waste in hell's moving castle mm-hmm. uh, you haven't seen that but there's it. the witch of the waste in hell's moving castle yeah um, uh nausicaa and um and princess mononoke as well have a female um evil characters i antagonist. guess but like the, I, I think the interesting thing about his evil characters that they're not like yeah full-on evil like they're very um quite varied characters in a lot of ways you know mm. both in Nausicaa and yeah, in Princess Mononoke everybody seems to have a reason where they're doing the things they're doing nobody just does it because yeah. they're assholes same in this film honestly uh, to a yeah, degree specifically, specifically in this film I feel like because again like when I was a kid I feel like I watched it with a much more like I don't know one track not one track mind like a one dimensional point of view where I was like well she's the bad person because I've been told that by the film Yeah. but then watching it yesterday I was like, hey, wait, she's actually not that bad. Like her. So in this film, the antagonist is Yubaba. Yeah. And she is just like the thing about Yubaba is that she's not completely evil. She just kind of she has a set of rules that she follows. And if you break this rule, she has to do this. But if she also has her own rules to follow. So if you come to her with this, she also has to like grant you that. Yeah. So it's like she's reasonable and they're just like they're just following rules. It's kind of like I guess enforcing the importance of of like law. Like the importance of law and a moral a system, like a moral code basically. That it's like if you do this, yeah. I'll do this, but if you do this, I'll do this. Or I'll do this, if, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yubaba is kind of bitchy for sure, but I wouldn't really call her a villain because this film is Yeah, she's very much she's an antagonist. Yeah. So she's like she goes against the interest of the main character, but she's not evil. Um, yeah, the film is structurally you know, no nec- not really built in a way where there is a certain uh, villain, really, because there is no show. Mm-hmm. Like, there is some sort of a showdown at the end, but, like, it doesn't really matter, and it's not really about that, so... Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's not... Also, it's also not, like, in a retrospective thing of saying... It's not like we're watching it and saying, oh, actually, do you know what? Maybe she's not that bad. Like, it's, you know, when you watch other films where there's someone who is clearly coded as a villain, but you can be like, well, I can see their point of view. With this, it's like yeah. she's coded as the antagonist, but she's not coded as evil. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, she does things that are against Chihiro's interests, but that doesn't mean that she's evil. Yeah. And she is, she grants Chihiro allowances and stuff like that. Yeah. So well, she's basically running a business, so... I'm sure a lot of yeah, what's happening like, is just a big inconvenience. I feel like, and that's just like Hayao Miyazaki's, like his characters are so well structured and specifically like his female characters have different layers to them and they're not perfect, but they're also like they're flawed. But I feel like none of them are flawed to a point of, of like no retribution. Yeah, which I think sometimes there's like a tendency to be if you're making a villain or something like that. But it's like yeah. no, they have to have layers and they're interesting. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the boat of spirits arrives. Um. So yeah, thingy eats the the berry, and then for some reason we the um everyone shouldn't see Chihiro. So we're we're told that like Chihiro has to stay quiet so no one can see her. Well, because she's um, human and or seems nobody's human there. Humans stink. Yeah. I think. But we the find out the person we're interacting. The boy that we're interacting with looks pretty human, but 
obviously due to what he's saying and like no one can see you etc you're like well i guess he's in some way not human yeah. or whatever um and then he he so we find out that his or no i don't think we find that out yet um the boy says that he's known Shahira since she was small which is a bit ominous um and then so then the next part she gets to kamaji yeah so basically what what, what the boy tells her is go to kamaji uh, i need to leave you here because otherwise they're gonna find you he takes her to this building the bathhouse he gets her in somehow and um He's like, listen, you go this way and you go find Kamaji and you ask him for a job. Because if you have a job, they're not going to be able to kick you out of here. So just go and do this and I'm going to go and hang out here for a while. So she does that. So there's a there's a fun stare scene. Bit of slapstick comedy, which this film incorporates every once in a while. Um, to usually very good effect. It's, it's very good old school slapstick. Um, with very, um, very empathetic... Um, how you call that? Intent, yeah. So it's nice. So she goes and finds Kamaji. Um, Kamaji is this uh, also kind of human. Uh, he looks like uh, Doctor Eggman from Sonic, I guess, but he's like a spider and he's got more arms. You know the guy from Sonic? Is that the guy Jim Carrey plays with a big old mustache? Yeah. Um, okay, I've I've never watched Sonic. Well, or like played it. Yeah, you'd, you'd play it because it's a game. Yeah, I don't understand the lore of Sonic, except that he's a he go fast. So yeah, so Kamachi is kind of like. Oh yeah, I do know him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's kind of similar. Kind of similar in terms of the mustache and like the bald head or whatever. Yeah, he's kind of like that, but he's got like many arms. Basically, what he's doing is he's working like in the, I guess the basement of the bathhouse, and he's working the what the boilers or whatever. He's heating it up basically. He's yeah, he kind of yeah. The soot sprites, I feel like, are pairing the fire, which I yeah. guess is like pairing the whole yeah. building, with coal. I feel like Kamaji's doing something different, but I have no idea. It looks like he's making tea, he, yeah, but he mustn't be making tea. Yeah, it's tea. really weird what he's doing. He's basically know. He's got like millions of jars, and he takes his hands, which are really long, and takes a thing from one jar to another. It looks like a bunch of fucking grass. I don't know. Um... I don't know. It looks kind of cool, though. Everything's red in that place, and yeah, the, the little sprites are nice. And yeah, basically, um, th- there's a little thing that happens, but basically, the end of the scene is yeah, it sure gets. Uh, uh, he doesn't want to give her a job, but but he tells her, yeah, you you have to go to uh, Yubaba and make a deal with her, and once you do that, then you'll be able to get a job here. We'll you know, we we'll, we'll figure it out. I have a note here oh. that says the music in the scene is kind of like the music in Muppets Monster uh, Muppets Monster Adventure. I think that's the name of the game. No. So that was a game on PS1 that I played a lot and the music in that scene reminded me of Muppet Monster Adventure which I played a lot as a kid. It's basically like a Spyro clone that they did on PS1 but with Muppets and oh. you play as Robin um and basically, all the Muppets, all the big Muppets, were turned into Robin monsters. Robin the Frog. Yeah, Robin the Frog, like uh, Kermit's nephew, right? Kermit's nephew. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you basically go around and you have to rescue all the all the Muppets who are now like different monsters, like uh, Gonzo is a vampire and Kermit is a Frankenstein or whatever. And oh, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. And the music in that is very specific and reminds me of that little part of the of the film. There you go. Brought it back to the Muppets. Interesting. 
Yeah, the music is good. Yeah, it always comes back to them. Um, yeah, so the interesting thing as well is that, like, immediately Kamaji's like, yeah, you should go to Yubaba and ask for a job. Yeah. And I feel like we've we've already been set up to be like, she can't go to Yubaba. Yeah. Yubaba will see that she's human and will kill her. Like, that's what's been set up in our brains. Um, but that's the expectation of, like, the Western culture of films. I don't even know if that's an expectation in Japanese films. Honestly, I'm it's not, not really sure. It's not a very sure. nice expectation. I'm not really sure why she was sent to Kamaji first, since she could go to Yubaba and also say, hey, I want a job. And I think the effect would be the same, right? Yeah, well, I think it, I feel like maybe there's an element of being like, you know, Yubaba is scary and intimidating, etc. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah. so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so she go, she makes her way up, and well, what happens is a lady named Lynn. Yeah. Lynn comes down to feed Kamaji and the Soot Sprites. Uh, she feeds the Soot Sprites little sugar stars. That's the fun thing is that that's those are on my tattoo. Yeah, but yeah. um, the things that she feeds the soot sprites are these little star-looking yeah. things. But those are actually like real things in Japan that are like, as far as I know, it's like what they would put in their tea and coffee as oh. sugar. Like it's little, it's little crystals of sugar, but they're colorful. Oh, that's so sweet. It's like the equivalent, I guess, of like putting in a sugar. It's literally sweet because it's fucking sugar. Um, ah. it's the equivalent of putting a sugar cube in. Wow, that's I did cute. not know anyway. that. Yeah. I just thought they had stars, um, and I was like, yeah, sure. I'll take that. No, yeah, they're like they're. It's an actual thing. That's the fun thing. I feel like that's one of my favorite things about like watching Studio Ghibli films is that they mystify things that are. That you're like, oh my god, that's so cute, and then you discover it's just a real Japanese thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Lynn is there, and she basically it's kind of it becomes a thing that she'll lead Chihiro to Yubaba. Mm. and they go they make their way up and you're kind of going through so it's a spa and you're going through the spa uh, or it's a bathhouse yeah, it's a bath what house. we would refer to as a spa i feel uh, yeah um, i guess yeah they're yeah they're kind of walking through and you're discovering like all these different types of creatures there's like which we later discover are all spirits but you know you've got people like the people who work there it's a mixture of like people who just look like humans and then you've got these like frog looking lads mm-hmm. and then you've got these people they look like women but they've got massive heads yeah so i don't know there's a lot then, going like, the on patrons there's a lot going on but it's just interesting and the patrons are like you know you've got globby looking things i don't know um <laughs> there's a big daikon looking lad there's a he just like looks like a daikon you know daikon is like a radish no he looks like a daikon he looks like several. He's the lad with the big boobies. The the white guy. Yeah, he looks like several daikon. Daikon. Um, it's very tasty it. radish. And they come across him, and he's like, he kind of follows them for some reason. They go into the elevator. Um, and we learn that humans smell a specific way, which honestly isn't that important. But anyway, um, and then she gets up to Yubaba, and Yubaba is magic. Whatever, she's a witch. Uh, she's got a big old head we learn (laughs) we learn yeah she's got a big old head we learn that yubaba she tells us basically the reason the parents turned into pigs is because they ate the food for the guests for like all the spirits Mm -hmm. so that's why they were i guess punished 
but also explains why there was a vacant restaurant with lots of tasty food because it was prepared for the incoming spirit guests yes um but then we also learned that yubaba took an oath to give um a job to anyone who asks for one so there you go so that's so she gives basically Chihiro asks for a job she gives her one but in return she also in a sort of similar like Ursula from the Little Mermaid way in exchange for giving her her job she takes her name she like takes Chihiro's name she's not allowed to have her name anymore yeah which at first you're like okay whatever um, so she like does some magic on the paper it's really cool she like lifts the ink off takes her name and reduces her name to Sen yes and that's that basically um, um, yeah uh, I would like to note that um, well two things one the, the first part of this film is everybody being terribly mean uh, to Chihiro and telling her how terrible of a person she is and how she can't do anything and how she's basically pointless, even though her parents were just turned into pigs and she's like 10 or whatever. Um, second thing, um, this part of the film is also about how they are getting a 10-year-old girl, girl into a very dubious contract for uh, child labor with no um, apparent compensation. Um, I'm not sure the spirit world has laws, to be honest. Well, it definitely has rules, but I guess child labor is not one of those rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the spirit world has children. Yeah, exactly. So. That's kind of that's kind of this a good is point. an exception to the rule. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so a lot of things happen. It's not very in- not, not that it's not very interesting. It's not <laughs> interesting for the podcast. Go watch the film. <laughs> um, Go watch the film. <laughs> uh, it is very interesting you it is my favorite fly. part of the film my, my favorite part of the film is like the first hour um, hour and something um, yeah no it is I am straight vibing at this point I am enjoying myself I'm like oh I don't remember anything from this this is amazing I love it like you just look at it and stuff well, happens and you're it's just beautiful I'm gay vibing next I don't know if we've learned his name I think well we I'm gonna call this... him by his name yeah. his name is Haku the boy his name is Haku um he comes to Sen and he or Chihiro and he's like, Hey, I wanna show you your parents for some reason. And she's like, Okay. And on their way to see the parents, she sees like a creepy spirit who's just alone on the bridge. He's um and his name we don't really learn he we do learn is he he's a no face. Um, but he's kind of one of the later, yeah. He's one of the icons of the the film as well. And then she looks. She, so he's just there, vibing. He's he's a uh, gay vibing. He's definitely gay vibing. Yeah. He's definitely gay vibing. Um, and she turns around, and then suddenly he's gone. And and then when they get to the the to see her parents, it's just a pig pen and. Haku's like here they are and when she's talking to them she's like hey mom dad it's Sen and immediately I'm like hey your name is Chihiro I know that Yubaba took your name yesterday but your name is Chihiro and that's basically when and it's been so long since I've watched this film that I feel like I was watching it fresh so yeah from here it's it's like because the thing is I feel like it's one of those films that so much happens that I don't think you like fully like take it into your brain like you can remember certain like 
I don't know, small things, yeah. but I feel like in terms of remembering every single detail and, like, the plot itself, I don't know. I feel like I don't remember it. It's a very dense film, Between... yeah. And I, I honestly, every time I watch it, this is the first time I watch this film. And I didn't remember nearly anything. Like, I, I remembered, like, a mm. few, like, pictures in my mind. But, like, I I uh, I had no idea what, what the plot is. And um, I basically think that I'm going to forget what the plot is in a month from now anyway. <laughs> Which is interesting because, like, it's a film that I do feel like has had an effect on me and, like, very much is part of the reason I love film so much and why I suppose a part of why I would, like, give agency to animated films because I'm like, well, animated Mm -hmm. films can be this. So they're not lesser than. I think Um, it's a few things. One of them is a good thing, and I'll talk about the good thing now and and the maybe less good thing later on when we get to it. But the good thing about it is it's very dreamy. It is... um yeah, basically you just get into this world and you, you kind of learn the rules as you go on, but it's very much dreamlike. So you kind of get into it and like stuff happens and it's very um, aesthetically pleasing and I guess interesting in a very like um, just a very natural kind of way where you don't really maybe think about it even. It's just kind of a sensory experience. So I kind of get how this could be like something you forget later on just because it was like that. So you don't really remember the details. You remember the full experience more than anything. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'll get to the why the, the bad thing, why I think we might forget later. That makes sense. I feel like it also just like introduces new concepts to you that you don't then fully take in. Like when you watch a kid's film, like a quote unquote kid's film, like you watch a Disney movie. And I feel like the concepts that are presented to you are pretty standard. Like you're like, yeah, there's yeah. these stakes because of this. And I can understand that that person is purely evil. And so I'm not supposed to like them. This person is purely good. So I'm supposed to like them. They might have a flaw, but it's not evil, yeah. etc. Like it's all kind of pretty clear cut in terms of how you're supposed to feel about things. Whereas I feel like, and the concepts themselves are, aren't too far in. Whereas like with Spirited Away and with a lot of like Studio Ghibli films, everything is is so... It's introducing like more complex concepts yeah. than I think. I think it, it gives young people and kids a lot more credit than, say, Disney films often do. Yeah. You know, it's I like, I know that you want things that are going to challenge your mind a bit. Yeah. And maybe you won't understand it now, but it will still challenge your mind. And later on, you'll watch it and you'll be able to experience it in a different way. Whereas with with Disney films, I feel like experiencing it in a different way is often just. I get this joke that they input for their yeah, parents. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't know. For me, like watching one of those, like I don't know. I never feel like because I never watched. I probably watched my first Studio Ghibli film when I was in college or like older. So I, I don't know. Watching a uh, a Ghibli film doesn't really feel like watching a film for for kids for me, like at all. Like I don't even think about it. Um, it's about kids sometimes, not always <laughs> either. Sometimes I think, it's about kids. I think for us as well. I think I think that Studio Ghibli as well for us the like them as a studio got agency for like for our generation so like yeah. our kids will watch like I, I'll show my kids Studio Ghibli films when they're younger whereas we like Studio Ghibli is still pretty new also but I feel like Spirited Away is kind of what like shot them to a bit more prevalence in yeah. the western world yeah definitely beyond yeah. like beyond like specific circles who like anime and that kind of thing yeah so i think that for us like we didn't experience it at kids but they are films i would say made for kids you know so like in japan and asia i would imagine it's probably more common specifically in japan because that's where the studio is based um that they would have seen the films as kids a lot of 
Japanese yeah, films. Yeah, I'm sure. So, I'm, I'm sure there are films like I'm sure a lot of kids watch those films. It's just like it's not. I don't even think about it. It's just kind for of, us. Yeah, like I think I I definitely saw Spirited Away when I was young, but I wasn't. I also wasn't a child in the same way that I was when I saw Disney films. Mm-hmm. But I think it will be like our our kids, our generation's kids, that will be able to like experience it in that way. So basically. At this point, it's like um, Chihiro refers to herself as Sen. So you're like, hey, wait, do you not remember your name? And um, Haku then tells her, if she steals your name, you'll no longer be able to return home. So there's this point of the stakes are there that it's like, you can't remember who you are. because if Or you can't forget who you are. Because if you forget who you are, you'll never be able to get back to where you came from. Which is a, a lesson. Don't forget who you are, kids. Or yeah. you'll never get to go back. Um, and then he brings her some little rice balls. Are they called onigiri? They're like the yeah, rice that triangles. like kind of rice uh, triangle. Yeah, like a sandwich, like a rice sandwich. Um, yeah. So she he brings her those, and she does a big cry for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and then one thing I noticed actually. Um, so that that's basically that scene. Um. And one thing I kind of noticed throughout the film, and at first I was just like, oh yeah, okay. And then the more I watched it, I was like, wait a second, this is what I'm seeing. So all of the working ladies, or most of them, a lot of them, not not Lynn, but a lot of the the ladies with the big heads, yeah. they all have, um, they all have, it's called hikimayu, which is, um, it's a an eyebrow style. <laughs> Oh, okay. It's, um, so they've they've got smudged eyebrows. It's basically so it was a tradition. I first learned of it in Rashomon, uh, in Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon, which is I have seen that. There's, film. yes, so have I. Um, the whoever the I saw it years ago. So whoever the lady character is, her eyebrows. As someone who is quite passionate about eyebrows, I noticed her eyebrows. So her eyebrows are like this weird smudge thing on her face. And I remember being really intrigued by the eyebrows and like Googling it and researching it. And then that's when I, when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, wait, these guys have the same eyebrows. So yeah, it's called Hikimayu. And it's basically, it was this fashion from like, I guess going back to the 1500s or something um, where women, and I think sometimes men would shave off their eyebrows and then they would just like smudge some ink onto their forehead and it would just be like a blob of eyebrow. It's like a tiny little circle. Now that's not, that important in the film it was just like something i noticed nice i have not noticed that but (laughs) it's pretty cool i mean it's japanese culture so again it's showing the like pervasion of japanese things throughout and i mean i don't i i don't know enough about it to say whether or not it's like referential of kurosawa because i know it's also seen in ran um so yeah i don't know if it's like specifically referencing that i just know that it's a japanese culture thing all right and possibly a Chinese culture, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so basically, that was a little eyebrow segue. There you go. Um, so No Face keeps following Chihiro and she she kind of sees him and she thinks that he's a customer. So she's like, I'm going to leave the window open for you. Yeah. And he comes in. So Lin, Lin has like taken Chihiro under her wing. So Lin and Chihiro are assigned the big tub, which is basically... The, it seems like it's the grossest tub to work on. So they have to go in and clean it. It's very sludgy, etc. And um, 
she is sent to go get a tag. I don't know how bathhouses work. I don't know if this is actually a thing. I guess it must be. Um, There used to be, I think that, I feel like Japanese bathhouses are pretty similar. They're called like onsens, aren't they? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I I literally have no knowledge of that. I'm not sure. All I know is that at onsens, if you have tattoos, apparently you can't go to them. So I'm not fucking allowed to go. There you go. Um, which is really sad. But anyway. You deserve it. Um, so that's that's pretty true, I think, actually. It's pretty fair. Um, Bray used to have a Turkish bath. I feel like the concept Ooh. is pretty similar. I feel like our bowling alley used to be a Turkish bath. But then I learned, I think that's not true and it was something else. It's not important. Anyway. <laughs> so they get the big tub and then they have to go get like a herbal soak bath thing. She goes to get a tag, which is apparently what you use. You like send it up the roof and someone turns on the right water. And because everyone is kind of being mean or unhelpful to Chihiro because she's a human, the guy who works at the place where you get tags is just like not helping her. And No Face is there. And he, because Chihiro has shown him kindness, he's doing the same. So he basically just gives her loads of tags, which is grand. Yeah. Um, and then, so he does that. And then she's like, or he just gives her one. He's like, here you go. Here's the herbal one, whatever. He doesn't speak. Um, but he gives her the He kind of like moans. He's got this weird fucking... Yeah, he makes these terrible... So here's the sound he makes, and it's really terrible. He goes... Uh. That's what he makes. He's like... Uh. 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 It's cursed. In case you are worried, like you my... are still listening to the Fuck Hong Kill podcast, <laughs> the podcast where we talk about horror films and and the Muppets. Uh. I, yeah. There you go. It's 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 all good. No, don't worry about it. You can just relax. Am I not pretty enough? <laughs> oh, that's a bit that wasn't here for a long time. <laughs> so they fill the bathtub. They they've been told that like a customer is coming. I guess. I guess. Um, and No Face appears again and he like presents loads of tags to her and she's like, I don't need them all. I'm grand. And he's like, no, sure, take them. Or he says, uh. and she's like, no, I'm grand. And he's like, uh. um, and then so he, she, he just like drops the tags, I guess. And, and then they get word that there's like a stink spirit coming, which I guess is a stinky little lad. And he's not little, I'll up, tell you that. Wait, he's a big boy. Um, so there's a whole thing happens. The stink spirit goes in. He's super sludgy and super smelly, I guess. He goes in, he pays, and all this shit happens. The water overflows, and everyone's, it's kind of, everyone's sort of using it as like a challenge for Sen. Yeah. It's not like intentional, yeah, but they're the like, oh, look, basically just let's a giant use bowl of shit. Uh, that's yeah. basically what it is. A big old dookie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that all happens. She like, fills up the tub again she like falls into the water etc but she's like doing her she's doing her job um so she's being pretty good about it she falls in and because she's doing a decent enough job the stink spirit saves her and then she's like hey he has a thorn stuck in his side and they all pull it yubaba at some point says that's no stink spirit and then they all kind of work on pulling the thorn out and it turns out the thorn is just a whole ass bicycle well, uh, not only a, along bicycle, with, just a bunch of along rubbish. with just like a whole dump of things. 
Um, <laughs> but the thorn is like a bi- it's like a bicycle handle. Yeah. And so they all they like pull it all out and eventually it's just it's just a whole rake of things. And then this creepy weird mask thing pops up. Like and it's like guy. well done and then she's just like she just has he just gives her like a moss ball yeah i guess but yeah he just like hands her a moss ball is what it looks like um and then he and then he's like a spooky dragon thing and he like flies away okay either way i really didn't that was like i feel like that's the scariest part of the film i don't like the river spirit he's really creepy yeah the river spirit anyway. like this the shot that when you see him and you see the old man's mask it kind of comes out of nowhere and also the mask is kind of um it's just like in the air it doesn't have any connection to anything else it's just kind of yeah. creepy how it appears and how it looks and how it feels it's just kind of out of nowhere and very disturbing so yeah i get that it's not and then it's just like how is he a dragon he was he was floating a few minutes yeah, i don't ago. know if he's a dragon or he just kind of turns into like one of those uh squiggly things from donnie darko like yeah. i don't know that's kind of what I it reminded know. me of i'm sorry spoilers for donnie darko <laughs> i just said squiggly things you don't know what they are it's fine Yes, it's fine. We'll do um, Donnie Darko anyway, in season so, three. I'm calling it right now. We're going to do Donnie Darko. We're going to make you watch Donnie okay. Darko. Okay, I've never seen it. I know. That's why you have to do it. Anyways, okay, so, fuck it. Um, um, I so, love this scene. Anyway, yes, That's my, so, maybe my favorite scene is that whole bathhouse uh, clean the stinker I feel thing. like it's kind of the most iconic scene also. It's like, sort of, to me yeah. anyway, I remember it the most. Yeah, because it's like, it's got a, it's got a clear concept of what's going on. Uh, there's this thing this thing happens and this is what you have to do for it to go through it's got a very clear structure to it it's fun it's very imaginative it's got creepy stuff in it it's got funny stuff in it it's just generally a really good flow and watching it is really really easy and fun and a good time and also it's a great um you know it's a very accurate way to depict somebody's first day at work i think it's got this very good thing that you can kind of yeah you know be like oh yeah I, I had this happen to me you know my first day at work and i got the biggest piece of shit coming in you know <laughs> literally yeah there you go um yeah so that all happens um blah, blah, blah. he's like a spooky dragon famous river spirit so he's like a famous river spirit he leaves behind a lot of gold and everyone's like yay gold i don't know where they spend the gold it seems like they just spend their time in the bathhouse so at what point are they going to use the gold to do anything yeah it's very it unclear seems like their what existence they is centered yeah. around the bathhouse yeah um i don't know what the gold is for it's just um Pretty it's nice. just gold you, you know that people want gold, gold and i guess spirits want gold as well for some reason so there you go i guess so creepy frog lads um so yeah and then at that point i think then it's a night time and then no face is there and he presents he produces gold and gives it to this frog lad the like, shot an actual like the tiny cut, the, there's a cut in this film where i think um chihiro is dreaming about her parents about them f- feeding the parents the cake or whatever because she thinks it's gonna heal them and i think then it cuts to the little frog running around the bathhouse and that cut to the frog it just made me laugh so much i don't know it's just a cut That's to so uh the little frog guy running around the bathhouse it's really <laughs> funny it is good um yeah, so she, the No Face tempts the froggy with the gold, and then he just full on eats him, and takes his voice. He's yeah. like, "This is my voice now, bitch. I'm no longer gonna be like." Uh. Instead, I'm gonna be like, "Why just spill your beans, son?" Uh, thankfully, Willem Dafoe has a great uh, cameo in this film. Um. He says, "Why just spill your beans here?" 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good. It's, really it's great. Good. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, 20 yeah, years so, before The Lighthouse, and there you go, you know. It's wild, but his, listen, with a dick that big. You can do anything, yeah. You can time travel, no problem. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all that. And then, yeah, in her dream, she brings the moss ball, which is apparently a cake, to her parents. She wakes up. And then everyone is gone. And the reason everyone is gone is because everyone's like, oh my God, this lad's given us all gold. Let's feed him and help him and stuff. Um, so they're all rallying to do that. And then, oh, this movie, this film, a lot happens in this film. Yeah. Um, we're starting to get to the point where I get overwhelmed. Because up until now, I am great. I'm having a great time. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying everything. This point in the film, uh, around this point... I'm like, oof. Like, my mind cannot process the information. And at the end of the day, I am not sure that the information that I have processed is that necessary for me to go on and enjoy the rest. Yeah, let me give let me give you a quick summary, everybody. So there's this dragon, and he's doing a big fly. And there's these paper bird yokes, and they're just attacking the shit out of him. Chihiro, for some reason, realizes it's Haku, and is like, get the fuck in here. I'll get them away. Closes the windows. Paper bird saying no. One paper bird gets in. It starts following Chihiro as she run, run, run because Haku goes up to you, Baba. So she's like, I gotta save him. Then, in the meantime, Ghostface is downstairs in the bathhouse. Sorry, <laughs> no face. Yeah, he's Ghostface. So face Randy's sitting there. Sorry. He's watching the TV. <laughs> he says, "Rule number one: Don't say. Be right back." And then. Matthew Lillard is like, be right back. <laughs> Rosario, what's her name? Fucking Rose McGowan. Dead. I, we, see, I told you that too much shit happens. You know? In the garage door. How can he Fucking not may be confused by that? Um, at the same time, No Face is in the bathhouse. And basically what he's doing is he's having like a big large feast and demanding all this food and spilling money everywhere because uh the gold everywhere because he can kind of make gold with his hands as before so everybody loves him because he just spills gold everywhere and he keeps eating and just having a grand old time so those two things happen at the same time um and the thing with hako is really confusing because yeah, because like when she says like when the dragon comes in and she's like, "Oh, that's Haku. It has to be him." My mind clearly go like imagine immediately goes, "Did I miss something? What? <laughs> like what's like I don't get it. Like what did I miss, right? It's like that kind of feeling of like, "Oh, there's something missing in my head about what's going on." And that's I yeah, I, like, I don't I think don't it, prevent, why you've it prevents that. me from being engaged in what's happening. I think because I keep thinking that I don't get it. I do think there's an extent to like I can kind of be like, well, I feel I feel that Shahiro and Haku are like connected on like quite a spiritual level. So, and I feel like that is like referenced throughout the film in like very small parts, but still very much there. It makes so. There's sense also just a thing of like retrospectively a little bit more yeah i agree yeah but i feel like time... it's one of those things when you think about it at the time it's like how did you deduce that yeah so so yeah they 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 all start to sing a song to no face and it's quite funny um they're like ah, i don't remember the song but it, they're just like bouncing around playing the tambourine and it's like oh yeah the man he's the spirit then he makes the gold and the 
spirit and the face and the heart. And then um, that. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so what happens next? The man. See, here's where my notes go rogue. Yeah. The man thing. It says the man thing is rude to sen. What the fuck does that mean? I think. I think you mean it means the, the frog lad. Oh. No, I don't think I do. I mean okay. the man the 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 spooky frog looking lads. Okay. So yeah, he's mean to sen, and so no face is like, hey, that's my friend, and chucks him. And then presents loads of gold to send. And she's like, no, thank you. I'm actually incredibly busy. I don't have the time for wealth. I've got to go. And No Face is really upset. And he eats two people, naturally. Um, then the paper, like, helps Sen somehow to get there. Like, she's, like, the paper is, like, will move in a way that Sen's like, oh, wait, I gotta look. And then she looks and blah, blah. Um, then we meet the... That was a great <laughs> There's so much happening. We meet the giant... <laughs> Watch the movie. Um, then we meet the giant baby. We, we saw a little bit and... of the giant baby before. Now we see the full giant baby. Um, yeah, we see the full thing of like, this is actually just a fucking giant baby. It's great. And the baby is like, you're here to make me sick. The outside will make me sick yeah so the baby's kind of a conspiracy theorist when you think about it um, um well so no right like, now well by today's standards the baby would actually be the rational uh cocooning um person applying to social distancing roles and the conspiracy theories is the guy who goes on and says cough on me which i've actually seen <laughs> on footage oh my god in america yeah, of course so that's it's stressful, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, so the baby is there. The baby's this big, massive baby. Um, whatever, baby. Um, then there's these weird Frankenstein-looking heads. I don't know what they are. They look really Russian, actually. Yeah. I can't explain it, but the heads look Russian. They just kind of say... The heads are Russian. No, well, they make like a sound. I don't know, whatever. Like, huh, yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, a lot of creatures in then, this film make sounds like they're just kind of coming. I don't know. Uh, and then <laughs> the... <laughs> and then, so yeah, the heads, the Russian lads are pushing Haku into the fire. Haku is still a dragon. And then the baby escapes. And then the paper bird is magic. <laughs> the next... There's so much going on. These are my notes. The, in sequence, these are my notes. The heads are pushing Haku into the fire. The baby escapes. The paper bird is magic. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a that's a pretty the good explanation of what's going magic. on. Like, I know. I just said this. So this bird... film gets really intense at this point. Is my note because that's what I can <laughs> kind does. of have in my head. Yeah. So the paper bird basically turns into Yubaba somehow, and turns the baby and like all the cronies into. So, so the the thing is, Yubaba has. A bird that looks like her. That's one of her cronies. And then she's got the heads. And then she's got her baby. Yeah. She turns all of them into something else. So like the baby becomes this cute little sweet little rat. Um, the bird becomes a little... I guess a tiny bird. Tiny bird, yeah. Um, and then the heads just all become the baby. <laughs> um, if you're not confused then... enough at this point in the film now. That <laughs> the things have become other things. While one of the things became the thing that was a thing before. Now it's a different thing. So... Don't worry. It's it's all it's all Are great. Are you following? 
So then we learn that the paper bird is actually Yubaba's sister, Zaniba. Um, and now you also um, learned that one of the main characters of the film has a twin sister that looks exactly like her. <laughs> has a different name. Mm-hmm. It's a different person. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like also it's like it's like her, but it's just like she sent a proxy of herself as a paper bird, but it's not actually her. Um, but so Haku breaks the paper bird, which splits the twin in half. And then they, for some reason, Haku and Sen slash Shihiro fall into the floor down into Kamaji's and then she feeds Haku half of the moss ball which is a herbal cake allegedly um, and he then spits out something <laughs> this, this is the part I'm most ashamed of so he pits, he spits out so we've learned that Zuniba says that Haku stole her seal and he spits out something and I wrote <laughs> he spits out something the seal and the stamp the seal and, and the then stamp. I've written in incredibly big writing because I was having a moment. I wrote, "Oh my god, I thought the worm was a seal from the ocean. It's a seal <laughs> like for letters. I'm a dumb bitch. That is what I have written. <laughs> I can because I, I thought when she said a seal, I thought she meant a seal from the ocean. Wow. Well, honestly, so I was like, I, oh, he's stolen her her precious seal, I, and then she, he spits out both." I see like so what it looked like to me was a little stamp <laughs> that you press into ink and stamp onto something plus this wormy looking yolk and I was like I guess they're caught listen it's translated from Japanese I guess that's a seal whatever <laughs> I mean this is a spirit world I don't understand yeah I, I feel like I <laughs> cannot worm... blame you for that like why would he not why would it not be a seal like what does change what does it change in the film if it's an actual <laughs> like if it's a seal from the sea Rather than a like a seal like that, like it could but be. But I saw the worm, and I was like, I guess that's a seal. Oh, okay. Well, but still, like <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I feel like and I cannot blame you for that. Yeah. So that was me being a bit of a dumb bitch. But anyway, so there is a worm, and Sen Shihiro squishes the worm, and then the seal is the thing where you seal letters. Yeah. Not a seal from the ocean. Okay. So listen. Um. <laughs> here's the problem. I feel like we're, now that I think about it, it's it, like I think about it and it seems fun. And like when we're talking about it, it seems fun because it seems so random and like so many things happen. Like, haha, when I'm watching it, I'm not having a lot of fun because I feel like there's so much information. And it feels like actually at this point in the film, it's like plot information rather than atmosphere or just how wacky this world is it feels like everything seems to be there for a reason and that oh this person stole this and this is this person that's a character and their character who has this relation to this other character there's like all this plot being built up in like 10 minutes and i'm watching it i'm like ooh, ooh, stop stop like i can't take it and i i think that's the second you know that's the other reason like the worst reason why i think i don't remember anything from this film is that it's just like plot wise it just all happens in a very quick period of time and i like my mind cannot process that information because it just gives up it's just too much too quick it's it, you know it's an overwhelming feeling of not of atmosphere not of weird things just of plot just like a, this big chunk of plot being thrown at you like in the middle of the film like even closer to the end of the film like i think we're at the last like 40 minutes or whatever we're getting to yeah, the end yeah i feel like at this point we're kind of we're kind of at the the closing of the film and i we definitely don't need zaniba like i forgot she existed yeah um and i just i feel like we don't need her she i mean it all works and i do feel like it works and i can't say hey you should take that out because i 
I guess I don't know what you would do otherwise, but it is just like a lot all at once. You know, I think the problem with this is, is not even the amount of plot. That's, you know, okay. I mean, it is a problem, but like you could get it. But like, I think that the problem for me really is, it's just a, it's just a sudden change in pacing, you know? It's just like how fast it gets so quickly and kind of without warning. And like this film was kind of relaxing and nice and very atmospheric and dreamy. And then it suddenly gets very plotty. And I think it's very hard for me to make that jump in my head. And I kind of get tired really quickly in a way that I, I maybe wouldn't be tired if I if I was kind of ready for it or if that that's what the film was all the way. You know, I think it's just the inconsistency in pacing that always throws me off. Like I can watch a very slow film and be into it and not be bored. And I can watch a really fast film and be okay with it. It's just that sometimes a film tries like kind of changes its pace throughout or like changes its pace a lot. And it's kind of hard for me to get into the rhythm, you know, like the rhythm is something that's really important. And I feel like the rhythm is kind of off in this fragment of the film. And it's not like it's, it's like 20, 30 minutes at best, I guess. And then it kind of finds its footing again. But like those 20, 30 minutes really make it hard for me to engage with it fully and like kind of say that this is like one of my favorites or whatever. I think it's just this little fragment of the film that throws me off until they get the train. That's kind of my problem. You love trains. I do love trains. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you live near them. I do. You know what I mean, though? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I getcha. Yeah. Um. That rhythm thing is just like, it's just something's wrong in this moment. It kind of gets me out of the film for a while. It takes effort for me to pay attention again. Yeah, it's it's like a lot all at once. Yeah. Okay, so once that old thing with, with, with Haku Dragon form happens um they they kind of yeah basically the film turns into Haku helped me so now I'm gonna help him and the idea is to go to the twin sister and ask her for help I'm honestly not really sure yeah so oh to return the thing I guess and then to lift the spell maybe I don't know I think I'm making this up yeah so basically um, Zaniba says that there's a spell on the seal which is not an animal but is in fact a piece of stationery um, she says there's a spell on the seal which um, is like to kill whoever steals it and so it's like oh fuck Haku's gonna die and so that all happens and then Kamaji is like hey I've got train tickets to get you there and then something happens the spirit so, so no face like wants to see Sen. That's kind of his thing, happening alongside this. Sen, um, feeds the rest. Oh yeah. Then Sen goes into the room where No Face is and feeds the rest of the herbal cake, aka moss ball, to No Face. And then No Face starts puking all the people yeah. up as well as like I don't know. That's kind of cool. I don't know. Um. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and he. So it's basically a thing of like there's a chase that ensues between Sen and No Face and he's kind of reducing in size as he does. So like at the start of the film he's super small and then as it goes on he gets much bigger. Like basically the angrier he gets. I yeah. don't know. The meaner he gets. Um and then so he follows so he follows Sen as she runs away. She's just trying to get to she's just trying to get to Zaniba to fix everything. No face follows her. He jumps into the water. He like swims. He follows. He pukes up the frog. Um, 
And then he Sen gets to the train. She's got four tickets. The ticket driver counts her, the rat baby, and the fly thing, the bird thing. And then also, like, no faces behind her. And he's like, is he going to get on? Yeah. And Sen's like, yeah, okay, four. So all her tickets are gone. And then Haku wakes up, I don't know, somewhere... It just says Haku wakes up in my notes, so I don't know. What I to think tell he's you. still in the um, in the basement. He's with um, Doctor Eggman. Yeah, he wakes up, but he's a human-ish thing again, I guess. Yeah, it's not. A um, okay, so uh, yeah, so they're on the train, right? They're on the train. That's very nice. That's nice, and that's the film slows down again because they're on the train, and it's kind of nice and picturesque, and the train is awesome. But the nice thing. The nice thing about that is that I almost... And maybe it wasn't purposeful. Who knows? But, like, I feel like a train does that in life. Yeah, 100%. Like, I could be really stressed and I get on a train and I'm having a great time. I'm relaxed. Yeah, sometimes. It depends on what kind of train you're on and, you know, different circumstances. But generally, yeah, it's a good thing to be on a train. And trains are nice. and um, Yeah, so that's a good thing. I really like it. It's, uh, it's a nice part of this film. And I'm kind of getting interested again. Um Although I don't think this film ever really recaptures the, the the magic of the first hour and a half or something like that. Just because, yeah, it just gets kind of plotty. But that's okay. That's just my opinion. Mm. That's what I think. So, yeah, yeah, it's hard to kind of recapture everything that's going on. Um, like, I feel like they don't gain the momentum of what they had at the start. They, they kind of can't get it back. But... You know, I mean, it's, it's I, I don't know. That's just how I think. I don't. I, I think it's, most people don't have that opinion, and it's fine. But I don't know. It's for for me. I think yeah. I think that for me, it um, it doesn't like it doesn't get bad. Yeah. Oh no. It like never gets it's bad. not that it's it, but it is. I do actually see how it kind of the pace sort of goes all over the place for around a half an hour. It's just like a lot is going on. Yeah. So it is kind of hard to then. Because it, it sort of it goes really fast, it slows down, and then the movie just kind of ends. So it's harder to feel like yeah, you, you and don't then, get a chance to catch up with it, basically. Yeah, then the ending is very, very rushed. It feels kind of rushed. Abrupt. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second because um, we're nearly there. Like, yeah, they, they take the train. Yeah. What what happens? Uh, something happens so, while they're on the train, right? Is it so Yubaba, when they're on the train, Yubaba discovers that the baby is gone. And they also discover that the sand that No Face was producing is actually just gold. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so they discover they discover that the gold that No Face is producing is just sand. They discovered um, that every time that No Face did the uh sound, he actually came, and now the whole bathhouse is really dirty. And he's come as sand. Yeah, so. he's come as sand. He's got a really unhealthy um, reproductive system. Gets all up in your bum. Yeah. Why'd you drop your soap, no face? <laughs> um, okay, well, let's move on so, from that, please. <clears throat> so, yeah, but Yubaba, Yubaba discovers that the baby is gone only yeah. because Haku was like, hey, you haven't realized that you've lost something precious. And she's like, haha, what? And then she discovers the baby is not actually her baby, it's three heads from Russia. Um, and then basically we learned that the bug that Sen squished that was not in fact the seal but the se- the it was an insect of some sort I don't know it was a bug I don't, I don't know. know what the fuck that the was the thing that, that Chihiro squishes that um, came out with the seal that Haku puked up 
is actually what helped Yubaba control Haku. So now he like isn't controlled by her anymore because that yoke isn't in him anymore. Don't we? When do we find that out? Doesn't the twin sister tell us that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry, so, yeah, at this yeah. stage, we're in Zaniba's house. Yeah, sorry. We should talk about that because that's a fun part because they get they get off the train and they're in the swamps and it's a very different kind of place and it's like very moody, very dark and it kind of feels like a middle of nowhere and they go out to the, the four of our characters and they just kind of stand there and then like a lamp comes over. I was wondering about the lamp. Do you think that's a Pixar joke? Yeah, Maybe? Cause I don't it's think so. A jumping lamp? I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the Pixar lamp. It jumps the same it way. It could be. I mean, I think that Hayao Miyazaki hates America, so... Well, he, he didn't right go about to the that. Oscars. Yeah. He didn't go to the Oscars because he was against the Iraqi war. Fucking so like good call. Like, when he won call. the Oscar for Spirited Away, yeah. he was like, I'm not fucking going. Get out of Iraq, you idiots. Good for him. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's an icon. Remember when Marlon Brando sent uh, uh, the Indian lady to accept his award? That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty good. Was but I think he fun. was also just a problem. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I'm not. That, that was pretty cool, though. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was pretty nice. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so continue. Uh, okay, so yeah, so the lamp comes over and the lamp takes them to a little house in the woods. And that's where the twin sister lives. It's basically the opposite of the bathhouse. It's like very homely, very simple, just a house. They're having some tea. It's like a very nice kind of setting. And yeah, you kind of find out that this twin sister is basically the opposite of Yubaba, who is very, um, you know, um, how would you say that? Who's like very um, into... um, Material, yeah, but just everything being like enormous, like in terms of just how it looks and how it feels. Extravagant, like, yeah, extravagant. Exactly, everything has to be extravagant. It's just fucking like every like loads of art everywhere, and every room is just filled with colors and everything. And her twin sister is like, "Yeah, I have a little house here. We drink tea. It's kind of nice, and I do some magic. It's kind of fun, isn't it? And it's nice. And uh, yeah, nice. and uh, Chikiro starts to call her grandma, which is nice." <laughs> And it's kind of like just a nice kind of kind of yeah they're they're chilling out and also they're dropping some exposition in the meantime which I had to watch like three times because I did not get what they were talking about. There's a lot going on. I also feel like that's one of the interesting things about I feel like because I've watched like Korean TV shows before and also like Japanese films, Korean films also, but more so I guess Japanese films. Um, yes. is that because I guess because specifically the Japanese films I've watched have been often like films like Studio Ghibli films so they're yeah. like aimed towards children and so the characters in them are children um, and there's something about like they show us the way that Japanese young people interact with older people and I yeah. feel like there's a disconnect where it's like in Asia often if you if there's like an older person you'll if depending on how old they are you'll just refer to them as the word for uncle or the yeah. word for grandpa grandma etc so there's also just sort of a disconnect there where it's like i feel like they never know how to translate that yeah it's like yeah. it's the equivalent of like it's not like me calling an a woman who's much older than me it's 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 not me like calling her in English grandma. It's mm-hmm. me calling her something. It's like a term of respect. Okay, gotcha. And I feel like gotcha. it's always interesting how like I feel like Asian films don't the the like subtitles. There's no way to translate it because mm-hmm. it's not something that exists in our culture. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder because I watched um, 
I watched an Ozu recently, uh, an Ozu I haven't seen before, which is called Good Morning, which is about kids. It's a very sweet film. I'd recommend it. Uh, lots of lo- loads of fart jokes. Um, loads of fart jokes in that Ozu film. There you go. Well, Ooh. I don't know how better to recommend it, but yeah, I, yeah, it's about kids, and there's I think there there yeah I think there's something similar in that, where it's kind of weird where they're referring to each other's parents as. I think uncle or something like that. I don't know. I, I have some sort of memory, so that does sound vaguely familiar. Uh, it's interesting. Did not know that. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway, so... So yeah, basically, there's... Nothing that important really happens. Yeah. We kind of just learn... I feel like it's just a bit of closure or something. Yeah. Because, like, Haku, the spell has somehow been broken. So Haku has come back to life before Se- like Chihiro has returned. So it's not like that was necessarily needed. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, Haku... Um, Zaniba gives Sen a magic hair tie. Or Chihiro... Zaniba gives Chihiro a magic hair tie. Haku, in his dragon form, arrives. Zaniba's like, here, no face. You stay with me. Gives a hand yeah. in the gaff. Um, and then Chihiro and Haku are flying home. And Chihiro was like, I remember falling into the Kohaku River. And then Haku's like, fuck, that's my name. Um, and then, <laughs> and like a couple times when, so when Chihiro has been like, for lack of a better word, riding Haku um, in his dragon form, um, he, she like has flashbacks of herself, like in a river, I guess, in water, being yeah. saved by something. Um, so... So it it reminds Haku that his name is Kohaku, which causes him to turn into his human form. He like stops being a dragon and they both start to float down the ground. And then my next note says, so Haku is a river, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So Haku is a river. Um, sure. And then they get back to the bathhouse and the baby's like, here, ma'am, you should be nice to Chihiro. I had a great time. And then it turns back into the baby. The little rat thing turns yeah. back into the baby. Yeah. And then Chihiro is like, here, let me go home. And Yubaba's like, all right, but first you have to, which one of these pigs is your parents? And then Chihiro's like, psych, none of them actually. And then they're like, haha, oh my God, you're right. It isn't. Um, and so she can leave, and then Haku is like, <laughs> "It's really, it's really simple and anticlimactic." And everybody, yeah. <laughs> she, she's like, "They're not here," and everybody's like, "Whoa, awesome! There you go." <laughs> and yeah. They're like, "You well, was like, true." All right, well, they're not here. See ya. You got me. <laughs> so they leave, and then um, they're leaving, and Haku, this this stuck with me. Haku tells Chihiro not to look back until she leaves um no i'm gonna take that again yeah haku tells chihiro not to look back when she leaves until she has passed the tunnel and immediately i was like orpheus and eurydice yeah yeah, that's the thing yeah that's what that is yeah um and i mean that's kind of the same the the famous characters from the musical hades town (laughs) yeah (laughs) first founded by um, a nice mitchell in hades town first time ever anybody came up with that story yeah exactly she was Amazing. inspired by spirited away um but <laughs> but no i mean that's like the, the thing is as well as that it's like well yeah orpheus and eurydice are like it, it exactly relates to the spirit away concept that i said about in the the beginning the kamikakushi thing of like 
the disappearance or a death of a person that happens when an angered god takes a person away. It's yeah. like, that's what happened. Eurydice was taken by Hades. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Grecian tales. Um, and then... <laughs> um, and then... And then, yeah, that's... So that happens. She doesn't look back. Because if you look... If you look back... You know what happened. Um, but... And then there's the kind of thing... <laughs> Was that a bit? I'm not sure what that was. No, I was trying not. To, I was just trying not to spoil um the, this the tale of Orpheus and Eurydice. I don't know. That's okay. Just spoilers. Just, just continue. If you look, okay, yeah. Anyway, fuck off. Um, so, so then she sees her parents, and her parents are just like, "Where have you been?" So you've kind of got the thing of like, "Oh, it was, I guess, like a dream," because or it's that thing where it's like maybe it's open to interpretation because like her parents are like that didn't happen, they don't remember anything, so it's like well it didn't happen. But then they return to their car and the car is like covered in leaves and it's dusty inside, which basically proves that like time did yeah. pass yeah, and it did happen. So it's, it's kind of, it's, I feel like some films do leave that up to interpretation, but like don't actively d- like tell you, Hey, this was a dream. Whereas Miyazaki does a nice thing where it's like, no, this did happen. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like, the parents don't remember cause they're adults, but it's like, you can have this. It did happen. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. being like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's just not interested in that because that's a stupid thing to be interested in. I agree with him. It's yeah. Like, yeah, the thing happened in the film, so it happened. Like, who cares about yeah, anything exactly. else? Right? Uh, yeah, um, and that's that's the end of the film. And, that's, and then the film ends, yeah. It's the end of the film. Um, yeah, I don't know if we should attempt to in- interpret that thing. I, I don't really feel like I'm in a position to do that because, I don't know, like, there's some stuff no. that kind of, kind of, you know, I guess is prevailing for the film like it kind of keeps going back like greed i don't know there's a lot about greed and gluttony and like feeding the fuck out of yourself like capitalism yeah i i there's a but lot listen, of we're not here we're not here to interpret things for you guys we're just here to make no jokes about cum i guess sure we can go back come back to that yeah full-time cum jokers yeah, there we go. Yeah, so Full-time I don't know. Comes I, I, I feel with this film, I really feel that you need to have the context of, I don't know, a bit more Japanese folklore, a bit more information about Japanese culture, because it's so like, you know, I, I feel like I can watch an Ozu film and understand it. But this is this is very deep down into a culture and you can get a lot of things out of it without having that kind of context. But if I'm here to give you a sort of an interpretation, like, I don't know, this may this film mostly makes me feel things while I'm watching it in an aesthetic way not even an emotional way most of the time but it's just like an aesthetic experience so mostly i come out of it with like ideas of things but not a clear vision of what was going on that's honestly how i feel sue me yeah there's i will thank you for offering i will um apparently the film has been um compared to alice in wonderland i mean sure i guess sure but yeah, that's it really. That's great now. Yeah. All right, great, um, Abby. Who you want to fuck? <laughs> um, here's the thing. This film, I don't know who I want to fuck. I um, I guess I'm gonna fuck Lynn. I don't know. Maybe okay. no yeah. Kamaji. Kama- oh, maybe I fuck Kamaji. He does He's have got a, a few lot of hands. Yeah, lots of hands there. Yeah. I agree with that. Multitasker. All right, great. You gotta fuck Kamaji. Who are you gonna um, hunt? 
I'm gonna haunt. I think that I will haunt the daikon looking lad because I want to know what's going on. Mm, that's a good choice. Because he was kind of nice. He was very he nice. He was kind of nice to Chihiro, but he at first seemed like suspicious. So I just want to see what's going on. Okay, cool. Um, Hang out with the, the white dude. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to kill... Hmm. I think I'll kill the river spirit because I don't like him. Fair I enough. don't like to look at him. He's kind of he stresses me. Yeah, out he's kind of stressful. Lad. Yeah, yeah. He's stressful. Yeah. Um. Okay, Mache. It's me. Thanks for recording this podcast with me. It's been great. Bye. Okay. Bye. It's good to see you. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, Mache. <laughs> yeah. The film spirited away. Mm. Hmm. Fuck can't kill. Okay, fuck on kill spirit away. Okay, so I, uh, I am actually gonna fuck Lynn because Lynn is nice and she got some style and she feels kind of human. <laughs> so um, I'm not that afraid <laughs> to have sex with her. Because <laughs> anything else, I, I feel like might end with with uh, with very um, worrying results. But she seems kind of human, and um, yeah, I like her style. She seems fairly attractive. It's not a very sexual film. Again, you know, it doesn't have basically any sexual mm-hmm. energy, but. If I am to choose, I will choose Lynn. Um, it's the, the, the basis of our show. The what? So. It's the basis of our show, so we kind of have yeah, to. Yeah, we kind of have to. We kind of have to have sex. But <laughs> We've done this to ourselves. Hey, you know, next week we're talking about a film that definitely has more sexual energy. So why not? Yes. Yay. Anyways, okay, I'm going to haunt... Um, I'm going to haunt uh, No Face because... How fun would it be to haunt a ghost? I don't know. We never. I don't think we had an opportunity in this podcast to do that. I want to haunt the ghost. I want to haunt the haunting person. I want to be there in the the shadow of the shadow. I want to see what No Face um, sounds like when he actually comes, uh, and then kill. Um, I'm gonna kill. Uh. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna kill the parents because Jesus Christ, what the fuck is up with them? Uh, they literally Fair. have no parenting skills. They don't care about their kid at all. They literally just walk to a place and kind of don't care if their child follows them or not. They're like they literally have no sort of any like instinct to make sure that the child like doesn't die. It's a pretty mm. small girl. Like she's what ten? I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but she's, she's ten. The Wikipedia page says she's ten, she's and you know young. Wikipedia has never lied. So. Yeah, exactly. Like she's really young. Yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill them and make Chihiro an orphan. Thank you, everybody. Good plan. Thank you. Amazing. Please hold your applause, or or, or oh, just go on. Sorry. Oh, all right, whatever. Sorry. And this is uh, the end of yet another episode of Fuck on Kill. Um, we have fucked and we have haunted and we have killed. So now this has come to an end. I mean all of those in a metaphorical sense because uh, because none of those things. That was out. it coming that was to one. an end. Oh yeah. Oh good one. This is kinda like the mayhem episode. It's got it's got similar content. <laughs> I've no fucking burger though. Yeah, that's true. At I least some, with Mayhem we had tasty burgers. I had some nice Korean today that was though. A good Good. Nice. I had another quesadilla. It's mm, good. I was looking at quesadillas from Bojum, but I, I ended up just having Korean. But one day. 
Oh, did you get um? Oh yeah, because you get a takeaway on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got some Korean. Hey, it's nice. It's good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Very nice. Yeah. Well, so guys, uh, that was it. That was it. Exactly. What are we watching next week? Um, some porn. Oh. Sounds fun. Yeah. I definitely never yeah, did that yeah. before. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I don't know how Ew. porn looks like. Imagine watching porn. Ew, gross. Oh my god. Ew. I heard. Ew. I heard that if um, a woman watches porn, uh, her head explodes. Exactly. That's what happens. They, they just can't take it's, it. Um, cause, cause of all the sins. Yeah, exactly. It's too sinful, and women are pure. Okay. No. So next week we're gonna watch um, a film that's very close to my heart, uh, called Brain Damage. The Mask. Um. No, we're gonna watch Brain Damage by Frank Henenlotter. <laughs> We're going to have a special guest, James, to help us out talking about it. Whoa. It's very exciting. Mm, Yeah, so we'll see you next week for that. Um, Until then, keep safe. Um, What they have to do, Abby? Tell them everything they have to do. Wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Wear a condom. Mm -hmm. Use a dental dam. Mm -hmm. Brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. Floss. Mm -hmm. Um... Take painkillers when necessary. Mm-hmm. Get eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Drink eight glasses of water a day. Masturbate. Mm-hmm. Um, eat mm-hmm. tasty food. Mm-hmm. Go for a walk. Talk to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Tell them how you feel. Don't keep things inside your heart. Make Let them out so that you don't bottle your emotions up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um um take nudes send them <laughs> to um, us at uh, fhkpodcast at gmail.com email yes email us at fhkpodcast.com uh, just to tell us whatever you want follow us on instagram at fhkpodcast L- listen to the podcast <laughs> there you go uh, um send us money all all your money all of it please please thank you thank you that was it i would just like to note before we say goodbye that you shouldn't do those things at the same time sometimes like if you're talking to your loved ones please don't masturbate at the same time and <laughs> what if the loved ones is your partner no you cannot do that abby what what oh, how sure. that is not pot- if your loved one is next to you you should grab the cross with G- the jesus on it and just start praying <laughs> praying for the please, strength everyone. Please, everyone, pray. Tell Jesus that what you feel about him, and go to mass twice a day, or else you are gonna burn in hell. Which is what you deserve. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please snort a line of cocaine. Um, Thank you. Yeah, that that was it. It's your friendly podcast, Mache and Abby, giving you all the advice, and now signing out, signing out, and uh, saying goodbye. Goodbye. I. I've been I've been for can't kill. You've I, I've been, been I've been podcast. I've <laughs> I've been Abby. You listeners have been aroused. Good night and good luck. Yeah. See ya. Peace. See you next time. Bye. All right. And and Sue conversation. And, and then. <laughs>